Well, hey, welcome to Backtrack, the show where we talk about old media to find something new. My name's Kevin. My name's Daniel. And this is a new show. I know. This is exciting. A, this new, is an, a new product. This is an exciting venture for us because I feel like we haven't done a new show format in a while. Right. Um, plays was like the last thing that we started to do in like what, like 2019? Yeah. And then we slowly kind of fucked up the format on that. Too much news. Yeah. Too much video game news to talk about. But right? this spawned from Kevin's mind and, and my mind as well that we wanted to just kind of look back on on some old games, movies, albums, TV just shows. Stuff that means stuff to us. Stuff that means right? stuff to us. Because it's always fun to talk about stuff that uh, we like, we yeah. enjoy. People seem to dig on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've noticed, trend of late, mm-hmm. not, not really a criticism, but a trend of late, um, the video game industry is heinous. Mm-hmm. And it's always about uh, harassment, uh, racism, Steve Gaynor being a dickhead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's, it gets boring to be like, all right, what are we talking about this week? Oh, Bobby Kotak? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it gets It's redundant. not always fun to sit no. down and talk about that stuff. Obviously, that's necessary, important stuff that needs to be put out there. Yeah, we're doing the necessary, important work. Our podcast, tip of the spear, they like to say, the save room voice. <laughs> more, more like the middle or the bottom of the spear, because we're getting about? to the news regurgitation like seven days after it's already been pushed by like Schreier and then regurgitated by other bigger bottom outlets. of the spear shaft these save room boys <laughs> but we want to give you the full spear of our passion of, passion. of media that has inspired us uh, new and old and the format for this is we want to break it into like kind of seasons formless yeah the idea of maybe it being like a 10 episode collection of, of things and i like the idea of maybe the last episode being a crowd voted one so oh. whatever the audience wants us to talk about, we can do. Oh, the crowd always chooses something bad, though. They're going to make us do, like, anime or, like, a fucking yeah. JRPG. No. No way. Don't <laughs> Would that be bad? No. no. This is why we don't like crowd... Things that are crowdsourced are bad. <laughs> what about Shovel Knight? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> Hollow Knight was crowdsourced. Hollow what? Knight's good. Yeah. Who crowd... What? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So we decided to go with a movie. Yes. This week. Uh, and I think it is timely in that it is 25th anniversary this week. Mm-hmm. The Lost World Jurassic Park came out in 1997, the sequel to 1993's A Jurassic Park, directed by none other than Steven Spielberg himself, wow. written once again by David Coop. So I feel like Steven Spielberg was probably gotten back into the sequel similarly to the dragged way that in. Ian Malcolm was dragged to the island. Yeah. Like there had to have been some like kind of thing on a bait like that it like was getting him there because yeah, he did not want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was one person, I was seeing, looking at the trivia, one person was doing this to pay off a divorce. It was Julianne Moore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she wanted to work with Spielberg, but yeah. like, you know, the money did not hurt. <laughs> did not hurt. Yeah. So this is not a well-beloved Entering the franchise. Mm-hmm. A franchise that has, what, six movies this year? Yeah. We're getting six, to full six? Six movies, and then kind of like a featurette, Battle at Big Rock. Oh, Battle at Big Rock. Yeah. And then if you want to count some spinoffs, the Camp Cretaceous TV show, mm-hmm. which is on like season 17, even though it came out <laughs> yesterday. It's yeah. very bizarre. I did like season one. It, yeah. was, good, it was a good You show. said it was like oddly violent for a kid's show. Yeah, surprisingly violent. Yeah. Uh, there's no implication of death. People die. <laughs> People get eaten by dinosaurs in that show, and it's like, oh, there is a threat here. So well, we get like an implication of like death yeah. or severe injury to the little girl in the beginning of the movie. Oh, in the beginning the, of this the movie, cold open. Who was the little girl in the beginning of the movie? Right, I remember because she went on to be in the remake of One When a Stranger Calls. Oh, really? And her career, it was like Camille something. Her career was apparently ruined by a Roland Emmerich film called Ten Thousand BC. 
Oh, I heard kind of funny talking about this. Yeah, you never go prehistoric. <laughs> Unless it's like comedic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like year one, that probably worked for Michael Sarah I, and company. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that worked out for everybody or, involved. Or unless it's an uh, an Eggers joint, like the Northman. That seems Northman. like it's, it's doing well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I hope to, I want to see the Northman very, yeah. very badly. A- another thing why I felt this was kind of particularly prescient and a good idea to kick off the series with is June 10th, we get like the finale or maybe we don't know if it's the finale but the third installment of the world trilogy the world yeah series jurassic park dominion which jurassic world dominion oh tr- you're right How jurassic world you? dominion yeah, i said i set it up as the world trilogy there goes our fucking universal sponsorship oh, jesus fuck. christ vin, Di- vin diesel backed out he lost another director for fast 11 oh damn it's sad but yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited for that one. I know yeah. you're not as hot on the world movies as I am. I, uh, I like the the first one. They're quite a bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, you, you want to get into the what the worlds are? You want to get into that? The, okay, yeah. I like world more than like let's say three. Jurassic Park three I, is is not a well liked movie in my mind. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, but world is fine. Mm-hmm. I think the premise for world is stronger than the execution of world. Okay, a lot of it's a little too. Um, I don't know. There's something about like the modernization of Jurassic Park that kind of fucking ruins it. Hmm. That like like it doesn't have that Spielberg veneer to it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it just feels like a. It is what it is. It literally is just a Hollywood product. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the movie feels like. So there, there's definitely like a lack of soul. Even though I know Colin Trevorrow is a huge fan yeah. of Jurassic Park, he grew up with the movies just like we did. He just happened to go on a different path. Where instead of working for a soulless corporation, he made movies. Mm-hmm. So you know, and you I could wish see I could like flip that script a little bit. <laughs> you, could, you could see the signature touches and like the homage moments in World to the first movie. It's, it's a little like, too clean. Yeah, it's a little too. It's a little too mechanized. You know, so, do you think World was maybe like twenty years too late then? Uh, yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier today, where I think the most natural sequel to Jurassic Park was what World tried to do, which mm-hmm. is like let's salvage this fucking park, let's yeah. let's make this work because it is kind of fun to see Jurassic Park uh, realize the mm-hmm. dream realized as a functioning you know? park, yeah, as a tourist spot. And then shit goes loose, and da da da. We go back, like it basically turns into a remake of part one again with mm-hmm. with um, a worse cast. <laughs> so, but you know, whatever. That's that, that's there. And then did so the sequel to that, not Dominion, but um, Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. It's yeah. it's funny because I think in people's minds, the Lost World and Fallen Kingdom are like very good analogs to each other, which is. They're darker sequels that a lot of people do not like. J- just, that's it, right? Like, it is a darker se- Like, it's a horror movie in, mm-hmm. in some aspects. It's also half of a Resident Evil story because it involves cloning and being stuck in a mansion. Yeah, like, the last third, or maybe the last half of that movie takes place in a mansion where people, billionaires, are bidding on, like, you know, dinosaur clones, and then there's a clone girl subplot in there. It's, it's weird. It's weird. But there's a straight up murder in the movie. <laughs> there's a, a dino- murder mystery. Yeah, a dinosaurless murder <laughs> yeah. occurs in that film because, like, I guess dinosaurs are so fucking boring yeah. in the in the modern era. <laughs> that we need to have like a murder mystery what the best part of that movie was the setup on the island and then just kind of the destruction of it yeah you could have done a whole movie on the yeah. fucking island man in fact <laughs> you could have done a whole series on the island and yet go we figure. decided to go into a manner but yeah, yeah, yeah so i don't know world is half and half of mm-hmm. me i also think it's fucking it feels like stunt stunt casting to get back the original trio to get back uh gold bloom dern mm-hmm. and neil um they're all dinosaurs themselves mm-hmm. and as much as it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing the Star Wars thing. We're doing the Halloween thing. We're yeah. doing the Scream thing, right? It just, um, 
it feels exactly what Jurassic World has always been, which is just like a Hollywood product that mm. only exists to make money and not because people actually genuinely want to tell a good story. I mean, yeah, I, I can feel yeah. you on that. Like, they're definitely phoning it in for fan service and to, like, get people in the seats for it. Because, like, obviously you get, like, the original three. People are going to show up for that. But yeah. I think the escalation point for what Dominion is, the idea of, like, dinosaurs coming to our world and it being this kind of, like, this subsect of species that we're now living alongside, if there's a catastrophic, like, global, like, event, they probably should be involved because they were, like, the original three. They know how to handle these situations better than anybody. So it feels like kind of, um, I don't know how they're going to write it into the story, but I feel like it could be a natural thing where they kind of fold into the story with it. The the pandemic? You want to fold in the pandemic in the Jurassic World? No. Oh, sorry, I missed that. What? No, I didn't say anything about the pandemic. Because you're like cataclysmic event. I mean, like, I feel like a, a couple of lizards get loose in the mainland in somewhere in North America doesn't yeah. mean that, like, they're suddenly becoming like a zombie virus where there's a billion dinosaurs on the Earth. No, now. I mean, there there is the idea that we are, like, yeah. coexisting with them or using them for sport, right? There's a scene where it looks right. like a pit bull fighting scene. But, like, there has to be kind of this thing that happens. It's like the Mars attack like cards yeah do you remember like the cards that they had where it's like oh here's different situations where a normal baseball game ruined by martians and like the martians <laughs> are fucking like playing baseball with somebody's head or something yeah. like that like there's a whole line of cards where they also did dinosaurs attack mm-hmm. and it's that it's basically like ah, i'm i'm getting a sunday shake oh no i'm getting shook up by a dinosaur <laughs> like it's a really cool like collection of cards that's what the movie is yeah like that's what they're doing where it's like wouldn't it be hilarious if somebody was at a starbucks and a raptor was serving him a drink <laughs> wearing the hat and the apron and everything yeah it's it's i feel like the lost world it's it's um climax in mm. san diego is like as far as you can really go with the concept before it gets like ridiculous because yeah. i saw the trailer for dominion and it looks like a fast and furious film oh yeah there's scenes where like fucking motorcycles are racing alongside fucking raptors and, and <laughs> they were so busy trying to figure out if they could oh. they never stopped to think of whether or not they should I, oh wow you really gave it to me uh, you gave it too hard in the opening act of our podcast <laughs> i know wow. I'm, just, I, wow. I'm i'm super critical i love jurassic park I know. right i know you do it's a big part of my my dino dna okay there's gonna be a lot of this the whole yeah. episode um i love jurassic park therefore i'm a little harder on the media that i really love like whereas other stuff like i'm not expecting in any way i'm just like ah, hey, just like star wars for instance I'm fuckless about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, at this point. You can fucking do anything with Star Wars. You, you can have one where, like, you merge the Stranger Thing cast with Star Wars. They get lightsabers and be like, oh, this is fun, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about the universe of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I give a fuck about Jurassic Park. <laughs> so I get a little harder and it's like, what are you doing there, Which Steve? Which <laughs> is interesting because Star Wars is such mm-hmm. a universe with moving parts and characters. Yeah, it's all dumb. But I'm so desensitized by, like, Lucas's dumb decisions with it yeah. and over-explaining things that don't need to be explained and giving us prequels and sequels to things that like I didn't have questions or needed answers to. What was... happened to Jar Jar? Who cares? <laughs> yes, give me the Disney Plus Jar Jar series. You're telling me his story didn't end with him like just tripping into a pit and breaking his neck and that's it? That's the end of like Jar Jar Binks' uh, epic? No, there's a novel that explains he, he got into poverty or something. What like, happens what? after Padme dies? Like, you know, his downward spiral. Do you know the answer to that drugs? question? Hmm. Padme comes back to life. <laughs> it's fucking dumb, dude. Or, or there's a ghost of Padme. There's something, but it start, she starts starts haunting uh darth vader making him feel bad and conflicted because you know because we can't just like deal with the fact that some people just go full-on evil dog that's true <laughs> could you imagine like a a, yeah. a side story where like binks becomes a sith Jar binks becomes a sith yeah yeah absolutely that'd be sick and he falls on his lightsaber and dies <laughs> 
All right. That's it. Well, Jurassic well, Park. Let's let's reel it in. This, this is a movie that means a lot to the both of us. Yeah. Because I had seen it in theaters as a kid. I don't I know did. if you had, you did, did as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I remember so, I was living in Florida at the time. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't Memorial Day weekend. It was May nineteenth, but I saw it the the weekend of the nineteenth. So so let's open it up. Let's open it up to the listeners about our legacy with this movie. Spread me open. Get on this table. Get on this table. Let me see. I'm doing it for science. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't washed. <laughs> so I think uh, I was living in either New Jersey or New York at this time. Oh, wow. And I was living with my mom and stepdad still. And uh, I, I think I saw it opening weekend or the following week. I know I saw it at night is the thing. Okay. Because I went home later that night uh, afraid afraid with wide-eyed <laughs> wonder that like a t-rex would just kind of amble up to my right. fucking like three-story building spielberg made that happen yeah. yeah um but i also this is probably gonna be a little disgusting to the audience oh, i got okay. violently nauseous after that movie and i'm not sure if it's because of like how much popcorn i ate i was just shoveling popcorn because right. like that was just the thing you did as a, a stupid kid uh-huh but yeah after like i got very sick and i was like kind of throwing up all night oh wow yeah, and that that's when I learned that like spitting kind of helps alleviate nausea. What? I don't know the science behind it, but it's something I do now to this day where like I will spit like when I feel nauseous and it kind of helps like subdue the feeling of needing to throw up. You know, I'm I'm learning here too. You know what's good for a brain freeze? Hmm. I, I I learned this as a kid. Roof of the mouth. Roof of the tongue yeah. and the roof of the mouth. Yeah, because of the Just nerve. Hold it up there. Because of what nerve? Well, there's a nerve that's on the roof of your mouth that kind of like goes straight to the brain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was witchcraft. <laughs> I was totally just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just witchery that's happening here. I don't understand it. So I don't think I saw the first movie in theaters. I Uh, did. Oh, you did? Wow. I was three years old. My mom told me that I couldn't keep my butt in my seat whenever a dinosaur would appear on screen. Like I would like lift up, you know, like and get all excited and or scared or whatever I was doing. Yeah, but I was wearing diapers when I saw Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were they on brand? Were they like dinosaur? Were they dinosaurs? Yeah. Well, on brand to the scene where there's a giant poop <laughs> in the movie because they were filled with it. Yeah. Filled with shit. What was your favorite dinosaur as a kid? Transaurus Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't have a, a goofy like, oh, I like the pterodon. <laughs> Brachius, no, 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 no. T Rex. Yeah, all the cool kids like T Rexes. All the cool kids. Like um, I think I think there's like a there's like S tier dinosaurs, right? Like I think <clears throat> T Rexes, Raptors. Yep. Triceratopses are pretty cool. They got the fucking horns. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're like ra- battering rams of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. But T Rex is like he's the king. Mm-hmm. It's in the name, right? Yeah. He's, he's the the terrible tyrant. He's the shit, man. And this yeah. movie made him the shit. Although we keep saying him, all those dinosaurs are hers. Yeah. Okay. As proven by the first movie. All right, tearing down the patriarchy with uh, dinosaurs makes sense to me. So the thing with this movie, though, there's yeah. two T Rexes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are that is that like a two mommy situation? The no, actually, one of them's a buck. They that's a okay. big plot point yeah. where uh, the the hunter, the great white hunter, Roland Trembo. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's his name. <laughs> Roland Trembo, played by uh, Pete Postlewaite, who passed away, sadly enough. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, you didn't give him a card or anything, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally yeah. dropped the ball on that one. Sorry, Pete. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But uh, yeah, he uh, was going after the buck. He wanted to get it. I forget how they explain that. I think um, they, they mentioned in the first movie that they reproduce asexually, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that reproducing asexually means one of us just picks yeah <laughs> <laughs> like one of us just becomes a male but they also didn't mention that like oh well if they didn't expect the dinosaurs to be able to breed at all so mm-hmm. it's feasible that when they breed they're able to breed males because mm-hmm. none of it was expected so there you go there you go so 
I want to talk about the reaction to this film because people either have, or like us, to have a very strong nostalgic pull to it because mm-hmm. much like the Star Wars prequel effect, our generation of, of what are we again? What came after Boomers? Uh, mil- uh, millennials. millennials? Yeah. <laughs> Baby Millennials. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, we had those parts of the franchise to grow up with. Like, I was seven when Lost World came out, and then like I was nine when Episode One came out. And, mm-hmm. the, and we grew up with the zeitgeist around the merchandising around that and like seeing the movie for the first time. So it was a little different for us, right? And I, I, I fully admit... This is a problematic movie. This is a flawed movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit of a mess. It's definitely darker mm-hmm. than the first one, and it is not as mechanically sound as a piece of cinema yeah. as the first one. The first one is like literally like airtight. Yeah, from from start to finish, it's a perfect movie. It has great pacing, uh, a lot of iconic moments and scenes, yeah. character motivations that actually do make sense. Yeah, <laughs> and I think why why I clung to this one as a kid is like I mean I always clung to the darker sequels, right? Like Empire or in video games. I always like Majora's Mask a bit more sure. in terms of like tone. But this one, like as a kid, there were just these snapshot moments that were so cool to me, right? Like the T-Rex in the city, the two T-Rexes, like the the raptor scene in the tall grass. And like, I think those scenes weighed heavier mm-hmm. to me than the actual story ever did. Because I, when I went back on subsequent watches, I was like, oh yeah, there's like... The plot here is wishy-washy. It's really mm. weird. There's no good sense of, like, good guys and bad guys. No. It's more just scenes and things happening than actual, like, mechanical, like, narrative structure that makes sense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, we we just watched it today. <laughs> yeah. Like, we sat down. That's what Backtrack's all about, all right? You guys got to do the homework, too. Mm. We're not going to, like, re-walk through the plot or anything with you. You need to go fucking yeah. watch this. We, okay. I assume a lot of people have seen The Lost World <laughs> Jurassic Park. Um uh, but I am always shocked when I run into a person that hasn't even seen the first Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and I vilify them loudly. That's and, that's harsh because that's like a cultural milestone in, in terms is. of movies. Like, how do you miss that? Spielberg said um, it it ushered in the digital age for film, and he's mm-hmm. absolutely right. He's a hundred percent right. It's not the first instance of CGI mm-hmm. being used in film. I believe that actually goes to a movie he produced, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. uh, where a fucking like plain glass window comes to life and starts like fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true fact. True fact. And then, of course, uh, Terminator Two predated this yes. film as well. So the interesting thing about like the first movie and Lost World is like it's such an interesting balance of computer generated effects and then like practical effects, like puppetry, right? Yeah, animatronics. Um, this movie definitely feels a bit more CGI than the first one. It does. They lean also, on it a bit more. We get like fifty percent more dinosaurs in this movie than the first one. So yeah, it's a bit more wild. in your face. This one's wild. Like I was yeah. talking about when dinosaurs attack. Like this movie is that a little bit too. Where yeah. um, in the first movie, it's very concerted concentrated kind of parts of the film yeah it's more build up and more in your head kind of stuff because like spielberg is employing the same tactics that he did all the way back in the 70s with jaws mm-hmm. which is he's letting your mind fill in the gaps mm-hmm. in this movie they're just like fuck it we got money <laughs> yeah we got money we're gonna show you dinosaurs left and goddamn right even still there's only like 20 minutes of dinosaurs in a two and a half hour film mm-hmm. to be completely fair uh very slow setup as well yeah <laughs> so why do you think this movie is like the red-headed stepchild of the original trilogy like especially with three where i think three is a very boring movie right. i rarely rewatch it 
uh, on kind of uh, watch throughs of the series. Like, I don't find much memorable about Three, it. Three is a it feels like um, a B movie interpretation of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Whereas, like, you can you can see the B movie aspirations here and there in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that it's held aloft by Spielberg's sense of direction. Sure. Like, he can make the unbelievable completely believable. Yeah. Right? Like, the way that he commands the, the mm-hmm. scenes, visuals, placement. You could you could give him, like, the worst script on, on Earth, and he'll mm. still be able to pull something out of his ass that's like, oh, this is very watchable, right? Yeah. Um, I think the thing about this movie is it's not as fun. It's definitely mm. just not as fun, and I think that goes a long way. We're talking about one of the greatest adventure movies ever made, Jurassic Park, and mm. its sequel is a bummer. <laughs> it it is visually dark. He got the cinematographer who did Schindler's List mm-hmm. to come in and give this kind of like very um oh god this these darker tones of blue and anything anytime that there's green in the film it is like an evergreen dark green instead mm-hmm. of like the more vibrant kind of jungly theme of part 1. Yeah. But that that was actually a key learning by the way. They realized that dinosaurs never lived like in jungle environments. They lived in forests. Mm-hmm. And so part 2 uh was not only taken away from a more tropical setting. Uh it was filmed in a completely different place. The first film was uh, filmed in Kauai. Mm-hmm. Uh this one was filmed in fucking like Burbank, Burbank, California. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go to New Zealand, yeah. but uh it ended up being too expensive and they decided to just go to film in California cuz most fuckers in Hollywood lived in Cali, it turns yeah. out. <laughs> I th- one of the trivia points I had is that um, a lot of it was filled in the Redwood Redwood Forest. Right. Um, where episode six, Return of the Jedi, was filmed. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's um, it's tougher. There's a few other aspects, too, right? As much as I love having Jeff Goldblum back. I was going to ask. Him being my favorite character, mm-hmm. uh, Ian Malcolm. And also Michael Crichton's self-insert, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, yeah. That's such an obvious self-insert for the writer, for like Malcolm mm-hmm. as a mathematician, being Chaos the voice of theorist. reason. Yeah, the, the the guy sitting in the corner saying, I told you so, right? Mm-hmm. But like doing it in a way where like they Jeff Goldblum's like interpretation of that is like, well, I'm, I'm on the, the side of the funny I told you so guy. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's almost like he's a different character, but he's naturally an extension of who what happened to him. Mm-hmm. He was uh, almost killed. In the events of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and he is definitely afraid of dinosaurs now. He wasn't a paleontologist. Yeah. He wasn't. Any, he wasn't like the other folks. He wasn't like Grant or Ellie. Like he doesn't love dinosaurs. <laughs> he was. He was there just to tell people like, "Hey, uh, this is how things fuck up in complicated mm-hmm. systems." Yeah. Um. So it's a little tougher. As much as I love both Goldblum and the character, to have him hang your whole protagonist hat on him. Because he's not like he—he's almost visibly uncomfortable being the main character in, mm-hmm. this. in scenes. He's just like basically like walking, <laughs> drifting through the scene. Like you, you're not even sure like the, if he's sure about the camera placement. Yeah, hey, there's a lot of scenes where he's not looking characters in the eyes. Nope. Doesn't quite know how to gesture. Very very awkward. And it's like yeah. And it's natural in a sense that it's like well yeah that's what somebody with trauma who doesn't want to be on Dinosaur Island would yeah. act like. But it's harder because when you go from you know the almost we couldn't get Harrison Ford but here's Sam Neill esque performance mm-hmm. from from uh, Jurassic Park I think it was supposed to be Harrison Ford okay or no 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 it was supposed to be um what's his name from Tron uh the actor Jeff Bridges was oh, supposed okay. to play Grant and so you're going for that like you know this is an obvious like 
this is your main guy. You need, we need to get a white guy that can grow a beard pretty well. Let's get this guy, well, right? The thing That's about not him in the first movie is, like, he's part of an ensemble cast. He, he's right. one of the main three. But, like, he's not even, like, a main character in the forefront. He's sidelined for a lot of the movie. Yeah. He serves as, like you said, like the I told you so chaos theory skeptic in the room. Um, sometimes the comic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and dealing with his, his character now, like, kind of... Is it supposed to still be four years after the fact? It's four years. Okay, so four years after the fact, the trauma he's going through, the reluctance to even want to be in the room with fucking, like, Hammond and and people of his ilk, and then to give him a bit more pathos and grounding of, like, relationship stuff, where we knew him as kind of, like, the hunky Lothario from the first movie, right? Mm, Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, not that I don't mind him having a, a... story arc with his daughter because i think that's some of the more grounding stuff of the story but he just kind of at times as much as i love him he doesn't feel always well fit for the main character role and it doesn't help that his supporting cast is not super well formed around him like you you have vince vaughn is you know nick van owen right and you have julianne moore is um sarah harding and Mm -hmm. they're great with him but like then you have like this antagonist like cast that like doesn't always work kind of well with them to kind of support him as the main character you have him doing like jives at ludlow and i'm like okay that's fun but like that's fun but but there's nothing quite for you to like stand up against kind of like the main cast against nedry or you know like just kind of the forces of nature it's it's not clean and i I remember like so i remember talking to you a little bit uh, while we were watching it going like there's there's a stark difference here in that this movie is almost being presented as is, as if it were like a documentary about yeah. what would actually happen if, um, you know, you had researchers going to an island and ran into like, you know, kind of an opposing ideology. It's not even like an opposing ideology. It's more so the evil engine team that's there. Mm-hmm. It's quote unquote evil is just there to do a job. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not evil. They're not, they're just people, you know? Yeah, we were saying there's no real conflict. There's no, there's no conflict between and, them, and you could have seeded so many little bits of conflict between the two of them, especially since you have uh, Nick Van Owen, Vince Vaughn's character, was told ahead of time that oh, they probably are going to be here, and mm-hmm. I'm more of well, I'm not just a uh, videographer. I'm apparently a, a guerrilla warfare specialist, <laughs> a saboteur, a like saboteur taking bullets out of guns. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he pulls out bolt cutters and he's like, "Let's fuck some shit up, yeah. right?" And you're just kind of like, "Well, what's going on here?" It's, it's Van like, Owen time. Let's go. Yeah, and there could have been like a little bit of like pit for pat. Like, let's say like the events of this film took place over days instead yeah. of just like it seemed like one day where things went wrong and then they get yeah, they like get out of there half. like the next night or something, right? Um, you could have had that where there's especially since the hunters did something fucked up. Like, they they found the baby Rex broke its leg in order to lure the buck, its mm-hmm. its parent. And you could have had... And then you have the gatherer characters uh, versus the hunters. Our gatherers being uh, the Gold Bloom Golden Crew. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're, they're like, all right, well, let's go, like, help this Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could have had a moment where they realize, like, oh, wait, you're the ones that broke the Rex's leg? What the fuck is wrong with... And, like, mm-hmm. had, like, that this kind of conflict... Doesn't happen doesn't happen like almost immediately after like the trailer scene with the uh rexes fucking up the whole place and eating richard schiff mm-hmm. <laughs> in the most violent like dinosaur oh yeah death. he gets fucking ripped into like on film um <laughs> and he it, was a hero like yeah, i, I want to give him i want to give him play of the game like he fucking yeah came in hard with that fucking uh that trailer hitch yeah you got the, the winch, winch. Yeah. you got the winch going on <laughs> he came in there with that fucking ford that modified <laughs> ford and he was gonna do yeah. the work right didn't get them the mcdonald's order i think it was a nissan for. actually sorry it's a nissan <laughs> my bad <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no. He didn't get them the the Apple turnover that they demanded. <laughs> but he saved their lives. Yeah. Uh, and it, that, yeah, he's fucking awesome. So the movie's a little messy, especially when it comes to, like, using the language of cinema. Because it doesn't... Sure. Because, like... And here's the difference. Like, it's fine for movies to be this way. Mm-hmm. It, it's totally fine. But we are comparing it to Jurassic Park, which is very much a farce in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's a farce. It's... Um, Definitely manipulates uh, using uh, cinema's language. Mm-hmm. Spielberg is using all of the toys in the box to make that movie work. And it's very airtight in how it works, right? But they're also like, you know, it, it, it's cleaner. It's just a cleaner film. This movie's filmed in a naturalistic way. And I, I almost compared it to like Robert Altman's films. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned MASH to you. You haven't seen MASH, but MASH is like famous for... Uh, the fact that you'll have an ensemble cast, everyone's on screen and just talking over each other, mm-hmm. like and you and you as the audience have to choose which conversation is most interesting. There's a scene when when they discover Kelly at the trailers, and it's like the whole the whole gatherer crew is there, and they're just like fucking bickering and talking over each other, and just like it's all natural. But it's like the first movie never did this. Mm-hmm. The first movie didn't have like five people just speaking over each other and trying to set up like this kind of like natural scene. I was kind of telling you like the dialogue in the first movie feels more like expositional or didactic, right? Where it's like you have John Hammond setting up the world. You have fucking uh, Grant's, you know, on the paleontologist dig site being a teacher in those moments. Or you have the later scenes where it's like, there are these moments where like people need to be instructed or like kind of work together to do things. It's no overlapping. It's very like clean, like one bit of dialogue ends, the next one picks up. And yeah, this one does feel a bit more conversational, but at times it almost feels like, I mean, they're not filming shit that doesn't need to be filmed. I wouldn't say it feels aimless, but it but doesn't feel as intentional. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I realize this. Beyond the um, the conversation between Hammond and Ian at the yeah. beginning of the movie, uh, no line is informative. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm listening to it and I'm just like, there's no exposition being given. There's nothing that's like, oh, wait, this is what's going on. Nope. It's like literally Spielberg prefers to just film what's important mm-hmm. and visually tell you what's going on. And then the characters just say random shit to mm-hmm. each other the whole film, which is an interesting take, I guess. It's <laughs> it's just not as clean for a movie that should have like an adventure and a more intentional aspect to it. Right? Yeah. It's a bummer because like he's a strong filmmaker, right? Like, yeah. One of the most absolutely. renowned. And this one definitely feels like it fails the test of... Uh, the Indiana Jones, if you turn off the volume, you could even understand what's happening yes, scene to scene just definitely. by like watching the scenes. I want to talk to you about the editing real quick. Too. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I don't think the editing is bad, but like it is noticeable where when they up the scale of CGI, they also lose. It becomes a little less believable from a visual standpoint when you're trying to relay information without having a dinosaur there. And so there's a lot of scenes of Jeff Goldblum fucking staring off into the distance off screen and just reacting to a thing. (laughs) And then maybe somebody saying something like, oh, my God, they're going to push that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, it it just kind of happens. You get some really, like, hard scene where, like, something gets pushed and it's like, oh, okay, we didn't even... You didn't show me the scene where the dinosaur literally walks, like, onto the scene that does the thing. It's literally just character reactions to mm-hmm. it. And Yeah, that, there's a lot of you having to fill in your mind of, like, where the dinosaur yeah. would be coming up or presenting a threat. And the thing is, that worked for the first film because the first film did the whole build-up of, like, well, no one's actually seeing dinosaurs or, mm-hmm. like, nothing's happening until 
it happens, right? And then it works for Jaws in because it's like, well, the, anything could be in the water. But they're literally trying to communicate scenes where an action is occurring and they fucking hard cut elsewhere mm-hmm. and somebody just reacts. Like, remember the scene where um, the, the Rex shows up at the camp when the hunters are uh, hanging out with the gatherers? Yes. And we have this weird throwaway thing in a scene before where uh, uh, Sarah Harding, Julianne Moore, has Rex blood mm-hmm. on her vest. Yes. And she even says out loud when they say, like, oh, okay, well, you know, T-Rexes are scavengers. They'll probably leave the area if we, because they're territorial. And she goes, no, don't bet on it. What they are exhibiting is parental, um, parental, like, territoriality. Like, they will keep on pursuing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost implying that, like, they want revenge. Yes. <laughs> uh, because there's a big nurture aspect to this. But the point is, she mentions that, like, oh, well, uh, the T-Rex has an olfactory sense proportional to its size. It can mm-hmm. smell us for miles. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing the Rex blood. She says this out loud. And then the next scene doesn't seem to think that maybe I should wash off this blood. Like this idiot. It's even set up where Roland Trimble walks up going like, are you injured? And she's like, no, 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 no. This is the baby blood. And he's like, oh, okay. We just <laughs> dropped that. Says it out loud, yeah. We just dropped that. And I'm like, you know this is a problem. Throw that jacket into the lake, woman. It, it's an odd <laughs> choice to have her character, one of the smartest characters <laughs> yeah. on the island, to just not think of anything of it right so but we get to the tent scene where like obviously we set up the fact that like oh man she's hanging her bloody rex jacket like in her tent with kelly kelly's there and the rex sniffing out outside (laughs) and all that we see is the uh is malcolm's reactions to a Mm t-rex and like you hear the doom doom and he's just staring and uh, and then we see the shadows outside the tent and it's just kind of like can you at least show me, like, what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to believe that he's just standing there, like, looking at a Rex in fear and terror? <laughs> and not even really acting or doing anything. Like, I understand that you don't want to make any sudden movements in that in that moment, right? Because you could cause a worse situation, right? But, like, we literally don't get any action from him at all or, or until like, the one dude wakes up. And you then, heard it coming, yeah. and it's like, you're, you're supposed to be the pro tag of this film. Yeah. Can you just at least jump into the tent first and be like, get your head down? Like, something like that. Yeah, he, he begins to, in these moments where he could be the hero, feels like a very passive protagonist. Super passive. It isn't until, yeah. like, the very end where I start to feel like, oh, yeah, you're kind of the hero of this movie. Which but. is such an about face, by the way, because he is doing the thing where he keeps on just falling into the background. There's one scene where yeah. a raptor jumps on his girlfriend, and all he does is like, oh, let me get my daughter out of the way yeah. <laughs> and the, like he doesn't do the thing where like you would expect like i'm gonna go fucking try to jump kick a raptor yeah <laughs> even if i get hurt that's my girl man that's my baby no instead his gymnast daughter saves the day right i mean i, I like that i know yeah. people fucking hate that shit i like that shit so there's things that like even i'm sitting here going like man this needs to be remixed this feels like draft number two was filmed when we need like three or four no we i i feel like <laughs> there was nothing that was like edited there were no second passes like whatever they filmed yeah. or like whatever was done was the first attempt yeah, when it's in the can that's like, the plan <laughs> like it needed a bit more time in the lab it, yeah especially in terms of tightness because like the scenes sometimes feel very convenient. Like, characters just fall from one action to the next. Exactly. Um, whereas, where all the fucking hunters come from when the trailer falls. Like, where the fuck were you guys? The T-Rexes teleport away. <laughs> yes! Not once, it's, but twice in the silly. waterfall scene where yeah. the fucking, like, oh, oh, it's coming back. And it's just it's just Malcolm jumping into the waterfall. And it's like, where did the Rex yeah. go? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, come on. Now, I, I will say the movie does, for its its lack of choice editing decisions it does have some good shots right some shots that are very reminiscent of the first movie i think it's a beautiful looking film for as grim as it is right like i think it looks really good Mm -hmm. i think it's just we can agree that the story isn't there 
Um, but like I, I do appreciate its attempt at mm-hmm. what it was doing with that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Do you think this story would have been better served by like maybe Sam Neill coming back and kind of ushering in the same way? I think the the elements that we were talking about, like the fact that, okay, now you have a daughter that we never mentioned in the first one. Yeah. We're talking about Malcolm, right? Now you have a daughter. You have a girlfriend where you don't have any chemistry with her, by the way. It's more <laughs> of like the moment that you see you guys are like fucking, they almost have like a sibling kind of like budding heads mm-hmm. relationship rather than like, hey, we're in love with each other and then they like that's when it feels really awkward when they drop lines like like you know he goes oh it's my baby and it's like what that's yeah baby it's <laughs> it's weird i've seen this movie probably like over 10 times yeah. and like i'm still not even sure if they're dating because it's like there are no romantic exchanges like no? nothing really happens that like lets me know like visually yeah they're a couple and, and like i get <laughs> like, it it's like, just his care for her that like i'm like oh yeah i could believe right. he's in love with and, her. I, and i do <laughs> at least get like the point that like he really would not have let her go to this island. Oh yeah, how do you like, know? She knows that, and that's why she did that. Did this this way? Like she jumped to the island before he even knew, right? When mm-hmm. Hammond reached out to her. But <laughs> I feel like we needed a little bit more setup between them. Just anything, mm-hmm. like one phone call, for instance. I envision a scene mm-hmm. where at the beginning, before he even gets summoned by Hammond, that like she's on her way to like the airport to go fly to the island, and she knows that's what what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm calls and be like, "Hey, I was hoping to get some dinner tonight. What's going on?" Da, yeah. da, da, da. And she's like, "Oh, I, I got to do a a last minute thing. Mm-hmm. I, I got to go last. I'll be back. Yeah, in a I'll couple call you later. Days. Yeah, exactly. And like you immediately like that would have been such a cool dramatic thing where you immediately know like let's." cut to her ticket just says Ilza Sorna or something like that and you're like <gasps> one way ticket no but we, we we get like a critical piece of information as a throwaway line where we're like he we have this reaction where he's like who's the fourth going to the island with Hammond mm-hmm. and he's like well okay now Ian now Ian uh, like Hammond the ultimate gaslighter by the way he's like don't you worry she reached out to me yeah. I don't know I just want to he's like what do you mean she yeah what are you talking about? And then we get the critical information that not only is the fourth person Ian Malcolm's girlfriend, mm-hmm. she went to the island alone before any of the other crew members. Yeah. What happened to show not tell, dog? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we get that badass flourish at the end where he's like, all right. This is not an expedition anymore. It's a rescue mission, and it leaves now. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun. And I was like, oh, shit, okay, here's the setup. And then the movie kind of meanders for a little while for, like, another 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that that dense conversation setup, it's... I think it's it's probably hard for, like, audiences to digest mm-hmm. coming off the first movie and be like, shit, I want action, I want dinosaurs. We just saw a girl fucking eating roast beef getting torn up on an island by fucking, torn like, up. compies. But, I, you know, now we're with Although they should have showed her getting torn up, by the way. I no, get it, I agree. I agree. That's cowardice. Yeah. I mean, we, we get kind of, like, the... What happens to the later character, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we can infer what happened to him happened to her maybe worse. I don't want to infer anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. Although he died, she didn't die. So. Yeah, 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 he got to part. Yeah, I, I like some of the exchange with Hammond because it it is Hammond being his naive, hopeful self, being kind of yeah. an idiot tricking people into the situation and Goldblum being like, no, like this is dumb Hammond. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like immediately known. No, I fucking yeah. almost died. Like you were hanging out in the control room the entire time. Yeah. Like I got flattened by a T-Rex dude. I'm not, I don't want this to happen to me. What, what was the line that he fucking, uh, gave him? I don't even remember. Oh, you went, you went from capitalist to, to naturalist, naturalist in four, in four years. years flat. Yeah. That's, that's something. something. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, damn really just kind of calling it what it is yeah there there is something a little like 
there's a little bit of aloofness to Ian Malcolm here that like doesn't quite work. Whereas like it, it maybe works as, um, hey, I'm like the third wheel kind of foil slash comedic relief from mm-hmm. the first film. But putting him in the forefront, the aloofness isn't always like good, I've noticed. Where mm-hmm. I'm just like, mm, you kind of need to take charge in this scene a little bit more. Or you, like, you, like you, he says things that are like, well, that's really cutting. But the way he said it was like, like he was just palling around with somebody. Like when he tears down Ludlow. Yeah. It's like, yo, what he said would f- fucking devastate a person. But he just kind of said it in a way like, all right, pal. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he, he has some good like conversational cuts and jives. But like yeah. as a leading man, as the hero, as the one who should probably be driving this effort. Because like he, he knows what's happening. Like mm-hmm. he, he knows what's happened. He knows the capacity of what could happen again. Right. Because he's living with that trauma. But again, People beyond him and gaslight him. Fucking Sarah Harding is even like, Ian, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, yeah. and his mind is like, no, you don't understand. Like, we're men playing with things and and uh, factors we shouldn't be, right? He's he's a chaos theorist. He knows that, like, if something bad could happen, it will. Well, you know, it's passe to call it chaos theory. It's complexity theory, uh, okay. by the way. Sure. So, you know, I know, I know. The, you like the advertising for chaos theory a little bit more, mm. but it is complexity theory, okay, sure. right? Not everything is chaos. Come on, bud. <laughs> okay, why come at me like this? That was actually a big thing in the novel, by um, the way, The Lost World, where, like, there's two elements that Michael Crichton rebelled against, which mm-hmm. was calling it chaos theory. Okay. Because he was like, we don't call it that anymore, because it's really, like, gauche sure. to, to call it that. And then the second thing was the fact that T-Rex's uh, vision is based on movement. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a famous part in the book itself, The Lost World, where a character... Th- has heard that that works Mm -hmm. that i just need to stand completely still in front of a rex and the rex kills him (laughs) because it could see him because we found out like years later like i think either uh, robert burke or somebody mentioned like no they had good vision Mm. they would have to have had good vision to be that large of a predator yeah (laughs) and it's like oh whoops (laughs) so now now that we're here at this point yeah yeah, look let me ask you because like the the movie in terms of a sequel functions much like the book where I think left to like Crichton probably wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. He, he was pressured into making a sequel. So what, what are some of the fundamental differences of the book and the movie? Cause I know that the first book, it, it reads more like kind of like a hard science book, like kind of yeah. like cataloging of dinosaurs, flora and fauna in life. And it's less concerned about the human element. That's Crichton in general. Yeah. Crichton doesn't care about people. He cares about like ideas more yeah. than anything. Right. Like, he'll, he'll find a premise and, like, really try to dive and actualize that premise in some way. Uh, it took him years of research to get Jurassic Park right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's not a good character writer. Yeah. Because his characters are chess pieces on the board. They're mm-hmm. not, like, people uh, with feelings and stuff. And in fact, a lot of his characters just sit there and kind of just ideologue at each other mm-hmm. for many, many scenes. Uh, Jurassic Park, the original novel, I think people find it surprisingly dry. Um, and also surprisingly dark in its horror aspects because people get torn the fuck apart Mm -hmm. and they describe it and we don't have, um, cute Spielberg cutaways to like, you know, make it more palatable. Yeah. Like people get their vowels like fucking ripped out. Or John Williams music cues to kind of like lighten the mood. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, the book is not like that. So the Lost World is kind of like the tone is almost there in the same way, but, um, it's different in that it's a smaller, more intimate story. There isn't, like, a huge engine hunter force showing Uh up. The fucking Empire doesn't show up on the island like it does in this movie. It's literally a a rival company to engine called Biosyn. And Lewis Dodgson is the one that works for them, and he's the one that was in the first novel, and he was the the random guy in sunglasses and the the pink shirt in the first movie. 
We got Dotson here. We got Dotson. Yeah, that's Dotson. He was the villain of the novel. Mm -hmm. Not in the movie whatsoever, (laughs) right? He's the guy that was working with Nedry, right? Yeah, that's him. That's Dotson. Um, And so he shows up on the island, and there's another guy by the name of Richard Levine, who is like a rich rock star paleontologist man. And he wants to go to this island. He's heard about Site B. Site B is in the novel as well. Mm-hmm. It's the factory floor for the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. And it's been completely evacuated yeah. because a hurricane tore it apart years after Isla Nublar was uh, abandoned. By the way, uh, Isla Nublar, when we talk about abandoned, like we don't really get a follow-up on what happens to Nublar <laughs> in the movies. In the book, the Costa Rican government shows up with flamethrowers and kills all the dinosaurs. Holy shit. And that's the ending. Also, Ian Malcolm dies. Oh. He's dead at the end of the first novel. And then at the beginning of the second novel, they do a whole, the reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. Like, they act like it was, like, a, a bad reporting. Like, somebody, like, mixed up, like, oh, actually, it was fucking John Malcoon is so, the one who died. So they Mark Twained him? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he comes <laughs> so back to life. Silly. He's literally resurrected in, in, in the novel. Okay. Because of his popularity in the movie. But, uh, yeah, so Sarah Harding's in the book. She actually is traveling with the evil team because they tricked her and gaslighted her into thinking that they're like, oh, no, yeah, we know Malcolm. We're going to the island. Malcolm's already on the island. Mm -hmm. He's there first, which is bizarre for his character. But Levine tricked him into going there because Levine got lost on the island. There's like a drip feed of people going to this island at different times, Mm -hmm. like all over the place. Also, Kelly's in the book, but not Ian Malcolm's daughter. She's also white. There is, however, a black boy with her. And they just merge those characters in the one for the movie because they're like, oh, you need two kids for. Fuck this shit. (laughs) I mean, this movie already did have too many characters as it was. It did. It (laughs) did. And then Eddie Carr was there. There There's a guy named Doc. uh, What was it? Doc Irving? Doc Thorne. And um, who else was in? A guy named Diego that got ripped apart by an invisible dinosaur. That's a true thing. A mm. Carnotaurus. Carnotaurus. <laughs> little camouflage freak. Yeah, yeah. There's two of them, actually, that oh, show up. Nice. And they, they, uh, they're like the antagonists, the dinosaur antagonists of the book. The movie cheaped out by not having them. But you know what didn't cheap out? The fucking arcade game added that invisible dinosaur. As oh, movie. nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Actually, a lot of the arcade game is based on the book, oddly enough. Hmm bizarre <laughs> how many other instances of arcade games based off of books do you think we have because that seems like a rare niche uh i mean house of the dead is based on a clive barker book mm. yeah yeah that he never published because he said this is dumb <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, i'd rather fucking people pay quarters to fucking play my novel but, but yeah it's a, the the book is a little different in that like uh, instead of it being uh, the conclusion that Hammond comes to, uh, Hammond's dead, by the way, in the book, because um, he was evil Walt Disney in the book, and they made him a hero in the movie. Yeah, like he's he's a villain, yeah. and like no, a straight up villain, not like a optimist. He's like a fucking yeah. dick. Well, no, I'm I'm shaking my head at the fact that yeah. I never felt that Hammond was a hero. <laughs> yeah, he's just a nicer <laughs> like, guy, I yeah. guess, because he's like a sweet old man who apparently just won't give up on the dream of dinosaurs in his flea circus or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, in in the book, the idea is the island shouldn't even, like, the dinosaurs are probably going to die very soon anyway, even without the Lysine contingency. Thank Mm -hmm. you, movies. Um, Because there's too many of them on such a small uh, location. And even the youngest dinosaurs, like they, they mentioned like raptors that are only like five or six, are just completely covered with scars mm-hmm. because all they do is fight for food on the island and eventually they're going to poach themselves to death. 
Yeah, Michael Crichton's not a guy that that you want to bring to a birthday party. <laughs> like that's and so so Spielberg and David Coop, the screenwriter, looked at this book and they're like, Jesus, fuck me, we, we got to sell tickets. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, like David Coop was like, Yeah, we're gonna go darker, but I'm not gonna go depression dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And so they kind of like remixed it and and um, two themes survived, uh, which was. The, the kind of parental aspect, the nurturing aspect of the mm-hmm. dinosaurs being kind of like caregivers and not just monsters. Which I like. I like the, cool. the the scenes with the two T-Rexes kind of just caring for their young. It works. Right. And they and they wanted that analog to leak into the main characters as well. So you have uh, Malcolm looking after his daughter mm-hmm. as being like his, his like thing. Like a juxtaposition. Because it might yeah. be a little mansplaining and a little condescending if it was just him protecting Sarah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the entire movie, right? And then the other aspect um, was they wanted to have this gatherers versus hunters kind of nature to the story, but they expanded that greatly mm-hmm. uh, by giving you a whole team of engine hunters. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think it's a missed opportunity in, in for like to have these two teams butt heads over time in some way. Like maybe they don't know that the gatherers on the island for like a longer time mm-hmm. than like, hey, it's 7 p.m. dinosaurs. You know, like it's. Uh, but, you know, the gatherers do instigate everything that goes wrong on the island, to be that honest with you. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I, what I wanted from it more, or, you know, what we've already kind of discussed is that, like, there could have been more of a central conflict. You have poachers doing pretty heinous things, right? Like, yeah. hurting them, trying to fucking, like, break dinosaur bones to get, like, the attention of the bigger hunt, caging them, trying to bring them back to, like, the mainland, and it's it's sinister shit, but, like, they don't even feel as evil as they could because, like, you don't have, like, these kind of, like, narrative wenches to really set the two groups against each other. Even the people who feel evil end up, like, softening by the end. Yeah, like, uh, Roland Trembo is a yeah. humanitarian, right? Like, when somebody, when one of his party goes missing, he makes sure to tell Sarah, hey, don't tell the little girl. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, I, and here's the thing, that's why I go back to the whole, like, yeah, this isn't written like a normal movie. This is written like, what if this happened? And it would happen that mm-hmm. way, because people aren't just default black and white evil, right? They they have texture to them. Yeah. And, and I think that is ultimately the thing that I really love about this movie that was a part of why it's so ill-received mm-hmm. is that you go from a very like you go from a fucking meaty cheeseburger of a movie that is Jurassic Park mm-hmm. that everyone can get on board with to something that's a more textured meal that is not going to be everyone's palate mm-hmm. like people are going to be like I don't know why this is here or why it feels this way and, yeah. it, and for good reason right some of this works some of it doesn't but I think overall the vision for this film even if it was a little askew mm-hmm. ends up just getting uh, it's landed by Spielberg's just strength as a director like if somebody else directed this we'd be talking about how this movie is like a 30 on Metacritic instead mm-hmm. of like 60 yeah <laughs> which I when I looked that up and I saw that it was like kind of in the 50s 60s on Metacritic I was yeah. kind of surprised higher user score 7.1 so well, it, it, it just defenders. feels like one of those things where not even so much a revisionist history where I just thought people thought more favorably of it. I thought so, too. I thought so, too, when I was growing up, right? Because I remember we were all talking about, like, the the scenes where Richard Schiff gets eaten. (laughs) You know, uh, like you're saying, the tall grass. The village was so fucking cool. Um, Just all these elements that I thought were like, yeah, these are great set pieces. And they are. Watching them today, I was like, I'm still enraptured by, like, the set pieces. Mm -hmm. But the story around it is, like, very – it's like a ghost of a story. And the characters get lost in the woods. Like literally, their 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 um, motivations, 
their dynamics just get lost in the woods at mm-hmm. a certain point in this movie where they just stop mattering. And and I, I agree with the fact that like yeah, you could have like swapped out Jeff Goldblum for Alan Grant, mm-hmm. but I feel like the movie might have been the same where it's just like oh okay, you have these weird elements that you know we didn't know about you from the first movie, mm-hmm. and um, your story stops mattering by the time that the trailer gets pushed off the cliff. Like that's exactly what happens. Like yeah, the story the, does not matter. There guys. stops being a plot. It's just like all yeah. right, we're trying to get off the island now, and oh no. Engine and Ludlow did some shit that we have to kind of course correct. And it's just, it's more convenient, mm. like, story beats than anything that feels like a, a very cleanly written plot. Yeah. Um, it could have been maybe more of the same. If, if you had maybe gotten fucking um, Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant in there, you probably could have done something cool, but like, it probably doesn't, been the same it story, doesn't seem yeah. like they would go there really of their own volition. So there would need to be a pull, right? Like having right. Jeff Goldblum go there because like his love interest is there. Like it makes sense, right? Cause he wants to protect her and, and make sure she doesn't fall like to a similar fate to the people he saw die previously. Uh-huh. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a messy, it's, it's a messy reason to get these people yeah. on this island, right? That, that's what it comes down to. And like, if, if you wanted to do something else where it's like, well, like, remember the fact that at the beginning of the movie, it's set up that of everyone that survived mm-hmm. Numblar, only Ian spoke out. Like, he didn't take the plea bargain, mm-hmm. and he broke the NDA, and he started talking about this on, like, talk shows, and people yeah. didn't believe him. They're like, the dinosaur island? What are you fuck with? You want to get a kook? Fucking idiot. Did he write a book about it, too? I think he wrote a book or yeah. something, too. Uh, yeah, because somebody was like, I read your book. The guy on the, on the fucking train. He's like, ah, <laughs> And it's like, shut the fuck up. He's like, God damn it. I wanted to beat him up. But um, so like you could have had it where like, oh, well, his reputation is fucked. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, got kicked out of teaching. They mm-hmm. even mentioned that. What if it was like, well, I'm destitute. <laughs> and somebody was like, well, hey, you seem to know something about these dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Why don't we get you on this island? Which is exactly what happens in Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. Alan Grant's like, I have no money. And yeah. this, this pretty boy is going to starve if I don't get some funding for our dig. Like really down on his luck. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's, And that's how they get him on the island. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for all of its faults, I, I do love this movie. It's still like my, my second favorite Jurassic Park movie. Um, I think yeah. it just it's held up by like cool visuals more often than and, not and tone and tone because yeah. it's like i'm I'm gonna like flock to something that's darker and obviously i really like i like jeff goldblum i like julianne moore i think they're they're strong in the and the roles it's just that they're not given much to work with unfortunately exactly like julianne moore is like and nick van owen by the way vince vaughn are just yeah. like lost in the foliage in this film right and he, well, he just gets lost entirely nick van owen just disappears, just disappears. <laughs> in the last 30 minutes of the movie we get like one line with him and he's like where he's did gone. you go homie there's like yeah. why can't you visually show me a scene where they just land at an airport and he's like yeah. well i'm gonna go home to get drunk <laughs> like nothing yeah i i think it's it has some of my favorite shots some of my favorite scenes granted like i don't think this movie is ultimately quotable like the first movie but there are some quotes where i'm like damn that was like well delivered mommy's very angry yeah (laughs) that was part of all the trailers by the way absolutely yeah yeah but for some reason like the one of the quotes that stands out to me most is the high hide (laughs) The high hide, where you want to hide high. Dude, I had the high, like, we'll get into toy talk in a yeah. second, but I had the high hide toy. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, you you could, like, clip it on the edge of tables, mm-hmm. basically, because it had, like, you know, the little vice on it. But I, I agree. I think um, there's some great set pieces here. There's some great visuals. And I, there's something about me that was really attracted to how 
of a stark difference this is mm-hmm. to the first film. Like it, it has its own mood. It feels like they are genuinely venturing into a lost world where it's like they were supposed to be on that island in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. It was made for tourists. This place is dangerous. Mm-hmm. This place is dilapidated. This place is an experiment gone wrong. And I think that's super interesting as like let's let's see what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And I love I, I love I love Site B, dude. I love I love the uh, the the village elements and the 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 set pieces of the trailer as well. Like I think mm-hmm. it's just a cool movie overall. But yeah, like if it had a stronger story, I think people would be like really upholding this yeah. film a bit more. Uh, I want to ask you just a, a blanket question. Like, do you think this is even a good sequel? Is it a good sequel? Yeah. Um. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do because I think, like I said, if you remix a few elements, this would be like a banger of a sequel. Sure. Right. Um, I think the the premise of there was this other island that's completely fucked up mm-hmm. um, and there's more secrets to Jurassic Park is an interesting path yeah. to take this in, right? And it feels like the right escalation, right? We got more dinosaurs, mm-hmm. we get more problems, and we go somewhere else. Yeah. Like it's, it feels like a good sequel to me. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat where I think the, the points of, of natural escalation make sense, where it's like you have these hunters and poachers that would generally be interested mm-hmm. in wanting to, you know, curate these dinosaurs and make money off of them. And then the idea of, well, what would happen if, like, you know, these people were on this basically separate island that is used for breeding, right? Because all the dinosaurs there were the ones that ended up going to, like, you know, Isle Nublar, right? Mm -hmm. And then even the idea of, like, oh, well, what would happen if, like, we didn't bring the people to the dinosaurs, we brought the dinosaur to the people. And, like, those are all cool things to see. They play well. It's it's really awesome. Um, I think just... Some of the the sequel setup of like, all right, well, who is your main character now? What what are they dealing with? Does it feel like justified from that movie to this movie? It does, but then it's a little wishy washy. Yeah, that's where it yeah. kind of falls apart. Where it's like how we like all the ingredients are right. It's like how we get there is a little yeah. off, and then what we do with it kind of gets lost in the noise yeah. a little bit past like a certain point. Actually, I think it literally is the trailer part. Like, after we get past the trailer, it's like the movie just kind of just does. Yeah. Like, it's on autopilot, and it gets a little less interesting. Mm-hmm. But we still have some cool banger shots, man. Like, the raptor stuff is cool. Oh, um, let me ask you, what, yeah. are, what are some of your, like, favorite, or what what do you think are some of the most iconic scenes? The most iconic, I think the most iconic scene from this film is the trailer attack. Um, it's very long. Like, remember, you timed it, right? Yeah, between the setup of the high hide scene and then the end of the trailer scene where, like, engine shows up, it's, like, 17 minutes. 17 minutes? Yeah. I, I think it's probably the most... And I know people would say the San, Di- San Diego stuff. Yeah. Um, I think people are divisive about the San Diego stuff because mm. it it's it's the one element that you can either be like, this is super fucking corny or this super fucking works for me. And as a little kid, I was like, oh, this works for me. Growing up, I'm like, this works a lot less. Mm. Like, it's it, 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 it feels like... Um, it it feels like what it's inspired by. It feels like King Kong on the loose, mm-hmm. where it's like you know, there's a whole movie before we get to that scene in King Kong, <laughs> and yet people seem to only remember that part of the movie. And that's the same for the Lost World. And I think to myself, when it comes to Spielberg's like just directing sensibilities at their highest in this film, mm-hmm. I'd say I would give it to the trailer scene. Like sure, you, like you set it up nice. There's there's 
great dynamic between the cast in Trouble, great visuals, mm -hmm. uh, great build-up with the T-Rexes and the fake-out where you think they walk away, mm -hmm. and then they come back to fuck back. shit up. Yeah, it. I think that scene's brilliant. That's yeah. the one that's always going to stick with me. It's it's kind of like a, a mirror of like the first T-Rex scene in the rain by, with, yeah. the, with the cars and the um, Jeep in the first movie. It, it tries to do some of the same things. I mean, when you have the two T-Rexes looking on either side, I'm like, oh, that's really cool to uh, see their eye. Yeah, it's twice of what we got in the first yeah. one. I, th I think that scene has some good tension to it, right? Um, they definitely drop like four times on that rope. Uh, but, the, yeah. but the scene where like Sarah falls first and she's like kind of on the cracked glass and you're like, shit, like what is going to happen next? Like is something right. going to fall and break it? Really, really great like drama and escalation there. And by the time you get off of it, you're like, oh, I can finally breathe. Yeah. But then you get whisked away like with these characters and this next scene that I'm like, all right, this doesn't really make too much It doesn't sense. flow right. Yeah. It doesn't flow right. And then we make fun of fucking Eddie Carr getting getting eaten, yeah. which, come on, Roland. You're like, you're the bitch that got him killed. Yeah. And that should have been a conflict that should have occurred, mm -hmm. by the way, where somebody yeah. points out, well, if you didn't go after the Rex and break its fucking leg, the baby leg, mm. uh, we our friend wouldn't be eaten. Now, what yeah, you? you'd posited the idea of like Ian Malcolm like hitting one of them. Like, oh, just fucking them. knock like, out Roland. I was like, you know what? I could or, or, I roll with that. Or ro like knock out Arliss, yeah. Arliss Howard, right? Uh, Ludlow. Mm -hmm. And then be like, I'm not the one that did that. <laughs> and it's like, fuck you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. I, so I, I love that scene. I think um, the first scene with the poachers where like it's daylight and like they have the vehicles and they're kind of like roping the pachyocephalosaurus and like it rams the vehicle and all that shit i was like oh this is this is really cool oh right the quarry hunt scene yeah right? the, the quarry that, that's a great scene I, I do like the san diego scene a lot but it some of it does feel out of place and just it's a little hammy weird because like there's a giant plot hole. It feels like there was something there that like should have been but wasn't to explain like how the ship even got there, how the crew got killed. Fucking bewildering, yeah. right? Bewildering. You tell me, did this T-Rex shrink yeah. himself down <laughs> so he could attack the crew inside yeah. of like the quarters and then he embiggened himself and yeah. happened to get stuck <laughs> in the cargo hole? No. No, like, and I think well, we're, we're reading about it, right? Where yeah. Screen Rant did a whole thing about how it's the movie's, like, biggest plot. Yeah, like, the original script had it where it's like, oh, raptors were also on the boat. Yeah. And then they're like, eh, fucking, we don't need to film raptors. It gets too complicated or something, right? Well, the, the thing about the scene in San Diego as a whole is, like, it wasn't even really supposed to be in this movie. It was no. supposed to be, like, in a third movie unto itself. But, like, Spielberg didn't think he was going to make a third sequel or like a, mm. a second sequel third movie rather so he's just like well whatever fuck it i'll put it in this movie it'll be the final scene and yeah. like i i like it it's cool it's like we get like 15 to 20 minutes in the city and it's like awesome it's chaotic but like some of like the, the plot vehicles again feel really wishy-washy yeah yeah it definitely does although i will say it feels like spielberg at his most lively yeah like, there feels like something about the rest of the film like steve was just like not off his game, but just like off his happy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like him being like, you know what? I'm gonna take the T Rex to the city. It's gonna be a fun playground. We're gonna have a T Rex right. fucking bunt into a bus like it's another yeah. dinosaur. Yeah, you, you, you see the creativity like on on it on <laughs> yeah. display here. Like it, the bus crashes into a blockbuster. It's yeah. fucking great. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then earlier in the film, it's like we're not having as much fun with yeah. some of the set piece stuff, right? Like it's almost like a little jarring when like Ian Malcolm makes a joke after something like horrible happens yeah. and it's like because horrible things happen a bunch in that mm -hmm. film right 
Um, but yeah, I um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a half and half on the scene. I'm half and half on the, uh, the the last scene there. But I know it's like the one that people remember the most. That's what I remembered most as a yeah. kid. And like you in your brain, you feel it as like a bigger part of the movie than it actually is. No, no, it's a very tiny, tiny part yeah. of, the, of the third act. And suddenly Ian Malcolm becomes like uber badass Mm -hmm. fucking breaks into jurassic park san diego driving a hot rod (laughs) and kidnaps a little baby rex and then he's like all right let's get this shit done (laughs) like i'm surprised he didn't put on his fucking sunglasses and start like driving through the city or fucking like blasting like van halen (laughs) or something you know (laughs) exactly you know what's really funny the entire toy line for the movie Mm -hmm. kept him with his sunglasses from the first film he doesn't wear sunglasses in this film whatsoever he doesn't so funny he wears that same like burgundy long sleeve red shirt tucked in like black pants uh-huh. or jeans i don't even remember but yeah, he's yeah. looking good in this film good. yeah, yeah fucking he's got like a, he's got like a stark look on his face yeah. though the entire time he's like he really hates dinosaurs <laughs> like that's the th- and maybe that's part of the problem in this movie too you don't want your main character to just absolutely despise dinosaurs mm-hmm. do you like that takes away some yeah. of the fun of it i guess that was the thing about like ellie and um fucking alan and then the kids is like there's this yeah. fascination and wonderment it, around right? dinosaurs and we get a little bit of that through you know sarah harding but then the rest of it is just like it's weird disbelief like the uh-huh. crew she's with doesn't even think they're even really gonna find dinosaurs which is bizarre because they're like, like what are you bringing this equipment for yeah <laughs> i have a dart gun that will kill you instantly but i figured we we're only gonna see iguanas yeah what do you say iguanas and, big iguanas animals and big iguanas. no 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 and then, and then malcolm's response is like fruitcakes and i'm just like just, just call these boys queer ian come on ian come on man yeah and then we get confirmation that uh, uh julian moore considers ian malcolm a predator <laughs> oh yeah like a, a bunch <laughs> which is funny there's some like more subtle scenes i like like um any scene with blood is really cool in this movie um the waterfall the the waterfall yeah where the one dude fucking great imagery like yeah really i love pg-13 death when it's done right Mm -hmm. i would prefer to watch somebody get disemboweled rated r style Mm -hmm. but spielberg has a way of just like the sound effect like the crunch when it picks up the fucking robert burke like Mm -hmm. his name was uh david in the movie there was actually a toy based on this guy mm-hmm. making him out to be cool, but he's not cool. He's just a fucking bearded nerd in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> where he gets picked up out of the waterfall <laughs> after considering a snake to be a bigger threat than a Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex. And you hear that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then you just see the blood coming down from the waterfall. That's fucking, that's yeah. a lot for a kid. By or the even way. like the, the dude getting torn apart by the fucking compies <laughs> and like the, the water is trickling down the pond goes from like clear to red. Right. And I'm like, right. oh, that's awesome. And you're hearing like weird, like nipping sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and Peter Stormwall by the way shout out to him oh yeah he was great Mr. i forget his character's name uh dieter dieter okay yeah there's a lot of characters in this movie that i'm just like i don't remember your name his name's dieter so stark i think so sorry you you lived yeah. a good life and yeah. you died what about aj bro <laughs> oh, fucking aj <laughs> fucking aj man what are you doing that's roland's best friend in life there's actually a deleted scene um that they added to the tv cut mm-hmm. where it shows like aj's the one that says hey roland i think you want to go on this adventure with me <laughs> And he's like, no, I don't. There's nothing more impressive than like a lion, he basically says, to kill. And he's like, I think I found something a little bit more impressive than mm. a lion, bitch. <laughs> and then that's how he gets him there. And so he's very sad that his best friend um, dies at the end. And oh. it's such a throwaway thing, right? But then we get this banger line from Roland where Mr. Ludlow's like, hey, you know, there's a job waiting in San Diego for you in case you want to fucking like spank dinosaurs for a living. And he's like... I think I spent enough time in the company of death. Yeah, really, really great, great line. line. Where like oh. that that could have been a scene that doubled down on him being a bad guy. Yeah. He's like, 
now. Which plays the nuance of like, yeah, these situations, these horrific situations change people. Right. The only <laughs> consistently bad guy is Ludlow. But he yeah. even him he feels like a victim of his own greed. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he like he doesn't want it like he's not a puppet master. He, he didn't want it to get to this degree. He just wanted to like make sure that engine doesn't go to chapter eleven. You know? Yeah, and I feel like we only really got there when Ian Malcolm called him out as being like John Hammond. Like right. you now became you're John yeah, now you're John Hammond. And yeah. like, goddamn. With yeah, the San Diego bites. scene? That's a great that's a banger line too. Yeah. Yeah, for for you're right. Like for a movie that's like not known for its like one-liners yeah. it's got a few that hit <laughs> like there's no oh they really do move in herds or clever girl or like whammo dino dna like <laughs> you know what my favorite one is um violence and technology not good bedfellows <laughs> yeah like there's nothing like that in this movie there's a lot of just biting dialogue yeah. between like ian and and company because people are talking over each other like crazy yeah. like it's a fucking altman film i swear to god i watch that and i was just Although, like i'm watching altman <laughs> i will give i will give it to uh kelly she has a line where um ian's like oh yeah i'm gonna send you with a sitter and she's like oh she doesn't even have a sega she's such a troglodyte yep. and i'm just like yeah that's great <laughs> yeah he goes cruel but good use of an echo <laughs> It's fucking great, dude. Um, there, there's so much we could talk about with yeah, this for film. A I, do, years. I do want to talk about the music for a second yeah. because, you know, the theme, John Williams' theme in the first one is so iconic. And obviously they kind of like remix it a little bit in this one. Uh-huh. It's darker. There's a use of more like minor melodic themes in this. Uh, different instrumentations, right? Like Very more different. percussions, bongos to give you that like island feel. How do you feel about the score as a whole? Do you feel like it really kind of like supplemented the dark tone? I think I think people were disappointed that it wasn't um, just the original theme reused, but like mm-hmm. that would not have fit this film's tone. Mm-hmm. Like the original film, like I said, it's more of an adventure movie. There's there's an awe and kind of ex- expectation of adventure, right? Mm-hmm. This one is an expectation of disaster, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like most of the movie visually and sonically is framed around Malcolm's perspective mm-hmm. of like what's going to happen on this island. And he ends up being right. People get fucking murdered mm-hmm. on this island because that's what he knows to be true. Um, I'll say like some of the undertones of the theme, it's not like in your face dark. Mm-hmm. Some of it is like kind of subtly foreboding. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very like, uh, how, how would you say underscored mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know underscored and very understated like like the first approach to the island is like one of my favorite themes but it, it is su- it's not like you know it's not the back to the future theme it's not the original jurassic park theme it's just like this very dark score what a, what what she wants to talk about jurassic park what do you need she loves it you're so loud today yeah i i love the score uh there's some music bits in this film like the some of the hero scores i think are very very fucking cool mm-hmm. but um yeah, I, I, I enjoy the soundtrack a lot. I'm going to read a um, kind of excerpt here. It's um, from a complete score analysis by uh, Miko Ajolo. Um It says, The Lost World Jurassic Park, John Williams on a symphonic rampage. Uh, and kind of just kind of going over like the idea of like the new themes and musical approach for it. Uh, this is kind of a long one, so sorry ahead Jesus. of time. The new primary musical idea of the Lost World is a theme that carries the same name. The heroic, energetic, and questing melody is usually carried by the horns, trombones, and strings, augmented by a varied battery of rolling percussion, creating at once the sense of travel, exotic location, and adventure with a hint of danger to it. 
The theme begins with a minor key scale ascension that almost builds up through the scale and gives a feeling of progress and movement towards a goal. Williams composed a concert version for the end credits. This piece can be heard as the opening of the original soundtrack album. Uh, Pounding drums announce the theme, playing a forceful rhythm that carries through the whole piece and becomes a sort of musical motif in itself. The swaying melody, almost a Spanish or South American flavored waltz or sarabande surges forward with dazzling brass and percussive interjections, woodwinds run in subtle simps accompaniment, becoming more and more agitated, hinting danger and sudden dire events in its bridge melody, but finally overcoming the obstacles and returning to the main theme, bursting victoriously to a rapturous and rhythmic finale augmented by the whole percussion section, tambourine adding an almost festive color to the proceedings. That was a goddamn run-on sentence. But yeah, I, I do like kind of the different... I don't know what the fuck you just said. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's the analysis of like the, the kind of musical ideas behind the theme. Jesus Christ. And it's, some of the... it's like sending a blood sample in and getting like a response where like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's... The fucking timbre of my, my plasma? <laughs> Yeah, so I I like some of the newer uh, takes on the theme, a bit more nuanced, and I I could see why people were disappointed. Well, I mean, I mean, the the theme isn't used until except for a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, there's a third one with the mural, and then or the third one with the ending, and then the mural. But it it has a unique theme that is more sinister Mm -hmm. and a little more about this kind of uh, trepidation around yeah. this island and it's like because it's a mystery this mm-hmm. thing is we don't know what's here right there's no fences mm-hmm. they people say that out loud yeah, they're like there's no fences here <laughs> this is just nature and it's it's interesting i think um the music really suits the darker visual tone mm-hmm. uh again these are both things that lead to people like immediately even if they don't know it their subconscious telling them i'm not enjoying myself as much as the first movie because mm-hmm. the first movie was designed to get you to fucking munch popcorn and leave with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. This movie, like, I don't even think it's sure about what it wants to do. Hmm. Like, it just does. It yeah. just does. It just goes like, oh, here's what would happen, right? <laughs> you know? Like, they're not really making a point beyond um, reinforcing the ideas of the first film, but adding the texture of uh, nurturing aspects being... A surprising element across both your heroes and your enemies, whether it be dinosaurs that are only hunting you because they're trying to defend their young, mm-hmm. or hunters that are helping you because they're just there on a job. They're mm-hmm. not there because they hate you, and they're not there to d- deliberately hurt dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. It's a gig. Yeah. So it, it's definitely not a cheap, sh- uh, sorry, a cheap seat banger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it is a more complicated movie, and I don't. I think that's probably. Um, a big portion of why it wasn't as successful to people because it's not fun a lot mm-hmm. of times. It's just um, surprisingly earnest mm-hmm. and not in one of those "I really appreciate your honesty" kind of thing. People don't want the no. <laughs> people don't want this. Well, they're done with that at this point. Like four years removed of yeah. the first in- incident, they're like, "No, fuck that!" Like, yeah, exactly. tell it as it is. <laughs> yeah, and then like I, I, I think it was just completely obvious that the series completely retracted back to like trying to be, you know, dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's why Jurassic World hit for a lot of people. It's just dumb fun. Yeah. It's nothing to think about. I mean, I, I like this movie in that it isn't quite like a thinking man's Jurassic Park by any means. No, it is no. not. Like, it's still a, like a... It, again, it plays a heavy hand yeah. with its themes. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Still, but Spielberg always does. Yeah, it's still <laughs> a dinosaur-driven, popcorn-munching blockbuster, right? right. But, like, the, the pairing of some of the darkness, the shots, and then the score by Williams, I think some of it, like, marries 
very nicely together. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, you look at it in comparison with the first movie, which is sweeping, adventurous, cool, yeah. what, like full of wonderment, and like that isn't quite here. Like we we know as a viewer that like maybe worry of it a little bit like scarred from what happened in the first movie and a little bit mm-hmm. trepidatious as to what could happen next. So. I, I think, um, and this is, this is, uh, this is just like, uh, as a fan of the man's career and kind of, um, uh, a broad stroke commentary, but, uh, he completely changed after Schindler's list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he, his movies became a little less fun, huh? The material that he wanted to embrace was a lot less fun than you would expect. And even when he does embrace fun stuff, it doesn't feel the same as how <laughs> Jurassic Park or E.T. or Hook or any of it felt. Yeah. Schindler's List changed that man's complete perspective mm-hmm. on films. And so, like, he took a year off of filmmaking um, before he decided to do this in 96. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it shows, like, him coming back and just going, like, I, I can't give you another Jurassic Park is basically what he's saying. Yeah. You know? I forget. Was Schindler's List the same year? Same Dr- year as... Yeah. Um, so what happened was he was actually editing it up. He was on post-production for Jurassic Park when he was filming Schindler's List. Okay. So and he says, Yeah, he mentioned that, like, Jurassic Park kind of saved his life a little bit making that film because his life was just depression. And then to have a dinosaur rollicking adventure to come back to at the end of the day he uh he appreciated that yeah there's nothing easy about making one of the one of cinema's hardest like holocaust you know opuses right Mm -hmm. like that's a dark brooding film and it's depressing it's it speaks to one of the most depressing like volumes in human history and uh yeah i I could see needing a bit of a palate cleanser coming off of that but also i could see how something like that changes your filming style a little bit too yeah i don't think he ever quite recovered back to Mm. the the crowd pleaser that you know we all remember spielberg for i mean when he tried to in like what 2008 with uh (laughs) Crystal uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ugh. It felt like kind of a, lined. Yeah. yeah, like kind of a, a a pale imitation of of some of his best works and strokes. It felt like kind of a a parody almost. You know, yeah, like him trying to claw back to like what he was known for, but just not being able to do that. And yet, when you would look at his like little like his harder films like Munich and stuff, mm-hmm. Amistad. Yeah, you're like, yo, <laughs> he, he, you really dive deep into this shit and give it kind of the oomph that it needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's just one one um, little nugget that I want to throw out there for like why the Lost World is very different. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, I don't think the Spielberg that made Jurassic Park is not the Spielberg that made the Lost World, and that's something to think about. Yeah, so. I want to talk some uh, quick like lasting legacy and numbers here about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Crazy to think that Titanic came out the same year. Fucking James Cameron's Titanic, which blew the box office away in a completely different way. But I think that was like later in the year. It was like November. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I do remember seeing it theaters and having somebody put their hand over my eyes when uh, Winslet's titties were on screen. Great scene. And I think my mom was like, I thought that was PG-13. <laughs> I would draw her like one of my French girls. Box office my of... Mom? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to let Liz know. <laughs> Maybe Julianne Moore. Definitely Kate Winslet. Yeah, definitely Kate Winslet. Right uh, had a box office of $618.6 million, which at the time, that's that's a lot. Nothing I think it, if Titanic didn't come out that year, it probably would have been the highest grossing movie Yeah, I think year. so. Yeah. So I looked back to just kind of see where it sat in the top 50 highest grossing movies of all time, and it's not even in it. 
Yeah. Which is, is wild. Yeah, so yeah. you have the original Jurassic Park. It's at number 41. Nice. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is at number 16. And then Jurassic World is number 7. Fallen Kingdom is yeah. at number 6? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Listen, Chris Pratt puts those butts in seats. Yeah, he, he is um, palatable to the whites. <laughs> and Christ. <laughs> and, oh, Listen, Christ when that Mario movie yeah. comes out, that's going to be the highest grossing fucking yeah, video game movie of all time. It's pretty of hard for Because of Pratt's right? son. Yeah, yeah. Pratt's yeah. Do you, so in terms of like the movie itself do you think this really kind of like spawned off like any imitators or had like any legacy that carried beyond the first movie you know we talked about this a little bit but um it is interesting that jurassic park as a franchise has had like the monopoly over dinosaurs in film yeah um when anyone else tries and there have been only like a handful of attempts post jurassic park mm-hmm. it's either direct to video yeah or remember disney's dinosaur yes piece of shit I have, uh, I well, I had one of the, like, the hand puppets. Yeah, I had the toys, too, for that Weird one. faces yeah, yeah, yeah. on those fucking, yeah. fucking weird movie. Forgettable <laughs> movie that was just like, well, why'd you do this? <laughs> kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, like, the legacy of Jurassic Park didn't spawn a bunch of imitators. Yeah. There are movies that feel like Jurassic Park anytime there's a monster-slash-disaster thing. Yeah. Like, it broke the mold for that. Mm-hmm. But there's no other dinosaur films. Well, I was saying um, Alien Covenant has a scene very similar to the tall grass scene where, like, the fucking xenomorphs are, like, pulling people down and, like, killing them in the field. Yeah, yeah. Nobody remembers that movie. Nobody remembers that movie. (laughs) Like, yeah, it feels like kind of a one-for-one of what we got with the raptors. Interesting. I mean, all directors end up with the Lost World eventually, huh? Took Ridley a long time. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I think um, The Lost World is more of like a cautionary tale for Ooh. franchises. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is in a way that it's like, well, you can you can definitely have one of the most crowd-pleasing films of all time and follow it up with something that people just like are not going to dig. Mm. Right? And I think Star Wars has gone through those growing pains um, with like Last Jedi is mm-hmm. The Lost World of that franchise. <laughs> Here's a darker, more textured sequel that is going to be intriguing to the audience that it hits for, but the mainstream is going to reject it almost outright. Mm. That's, the Lost World will continue to happen to big franchises. It will. Yeah. Because people say to themselves, how do you follow up something that is like mechanically airtight, which I think force awakens was Mm -hmm. and the answer usually is do what empire did (laughs) and like i'm just like can y'all stop doing what empire did Mm -hmm. and start doing what aliens did (laughs) right in my mind like you know as an adult thinking about like jurassic world to lost world like i almost wanted kind of that alien to aliens like escalation point and like making it feel bigger and more chaotic and And the movie does feel bigger and more chaotic just in a different in a different way (laughs) yeah it doesn't quite hit the same notes that that cameron did unfortunately so i don't know want to talk about toys yeah let's do some toy talk i have a little bit of trivia at the end that i want to run through it's kind of just like stupid stuff imdb had almost like over three like 256 to 300 like bits of trivia jesus fuck a lot of it isn't very interesting so i just kind of pulled some like kind of cool facts but yeah i know all the best trivia off the top of my head give me one okay well uh steven uh spielberg hired Vince Vaughn after being asked to use theme for Jaws in the movie May, directed by John Favreau. Mm. And when he saw Vince Vaughn's performance, he said, I'm going to make you a big star. <laughs> I'll make you the biggest star you've ever seen, Vonnie. And then a year later, Vince got his biggest role in Psycho. Oh, yeah. Gus Van Sant's uh, shot-for-shot <laughs> remake of the original film. And everyone talks about it to this day. 
Julianne Moore's in that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> was it Swingers that got fucking uh, Vaughn's billing on this one, or was it something else? Oh, is Made the sequel? It's Swingers. Yeah. I meant to say Swingers, not yeah. Made. <laughs> so Made is the sequel. Yeah, yeah. So Swingers has the Jaws scene in it, and then they had to screen it for Spielberg to yeah. get his blessing. And then he was like, I like this Vaughn kid. Yeah. It's funny thinking about, like, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson in this era of, like, kind of, like, weird animal dinosaur, like, apocalyptic movies. Because, like... What was Owen Wilson in that's, like... Anaconda. Oh, Which is so shit. weird. Like, I always that's forget right. that he's in that. And I'm like, whoa. whoa. Right. Like, Don't he get, like, swallowed? Or... He gets pretty swallowed. Yeah, you see his I mean, not in the same way that John Voight did. In an but... anaconda belly, right? <laughs> Isn't he the one... Under the water? That's so good. Love that shit. I guess, you know, we could do the trivia while we're here, and then we could talk some toys. All right. Um, toy talk. So first one here, the movie held the record for the biggest opening weekend in history from May 97 until November 2001 when it was surpassed by, what movie do you think, Kevin? Hang on. In 2001. No, no, no. Don't give it to me. 1997, huh? Did Deep Rising come out that year? (laughs) Congo? No. Was it Congo? No, that was like 95. Ooh, must be um, uh, Titanic. Oh. You would think so. Oh, it's not? No. What is it? It's actually Harry Potter and the Sorcerer of Stone. In 97? Yeah. Wait, no, sorry. So I'm it confused. was the movie held the record for the biggest opening weekend in history from May 1997 until November 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's that four-year span. Gotcha. Gotcha. All yeah. right. It was it was Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The answer is Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, so I think we hinted at this one, but uh, Julianne Moore admitted that she did this movie to pay off a divorce settlement and to work with yeah. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool. Divorce <laughs> pretty cool. is pretty cool. You know, sometimes Some, you got to pay it off. Sometimes you just got to get away from someone. <laughs> there is roughly 50% more dinosaur action in this movie than in the first one. Okay. Uh, we got some dinosaur noises here. The vocalizations of the juvenile Tyrannosaurus Rex were of a baby camel crying for its mother. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were the the sounds? Do you think for the raptor in the first movie? The raptor. <laughs> oh, that that's somebody um, fucking deflating a basketball and um, throwing it. it in a pool. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the screech the pterodon makes at the end was made by. Gary- oh, it is a seal, by the way. Seal? Yeah, okay. seal noise. Uh, the screech the pterodon makes at the end was made by Gary Rydstrom slowly <laughs> slowing down the sound of him taking out dental floss from his box. <laughs> so weird. Mm, from his box. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, initially, Steven Spielberg wanted to save the San Diego sequence for a third movie. However, he later decided to include it in the movie after realizing that he would probably not direct another installment in the franchise. So, yeah. Wow. Writer David Cope. Cop? Co-op. Co-op. Said that when he was writing the script to this movie, he taped a fan letter next to his computer screen. The letter was from a viewer of Jurassic Park 1993 who complained he waited too long to show dinosaurs in that movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, we get dinosaurs within the first, like, 20 minutes of this one, so. That's true. That, yeah. Uh, no, you get dinosaurs within the first minute. That's true. In the cold open, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little mm-hmm. girl gets torn apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, some scenes were shot in the Redwood Forests of California, the same location as Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. This is an interesting one. I, I think the role would have played out way differently here, but Gary Oldman was offered the role of Peter Ludlow, but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. He was replaced by Arliss Howard. It's not like it's not like they gave Ludlow like a, a lot to do. No. In this movie. Um it would have been more like cameo territory for, for Oldman, but mm-hmm. it would have been cool to see him. Cool. At that time it's I, I feel like Oldman was like kind of in the height of his career uh fifth element came out already or yeah. that year i think yeah honestly. fifth element the professional was already out dracula yeah. had already come out what else bram stoker's dracula you know bram stoker's new reeves and winona wider <laughs> that's the one. Oh wow uh and this last one here the ss venture 
which transports the T-Rex to San Diego is a reference to King Kong, 1933. Who was transported to the New York City on a ship called the SS Venture. Wow, oh, of the same name. Oh, shit. This is the franchise's second reference to the classic movie. The gate in the first movie was modeled on the Skull Island there, yeah. gate with uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm pointing this out. So, good stuff there. Uh, I got more trivia for you. Yeah. The, the third act, originally, as we said, wasn't supposed to have the San Diego sequence. It was supposed to end on the island. Mm. Uh, one version of the third act was a, an escape scene from Pterodons attacking. And our main characters get on hang gliders to get away from them. What? And that w- that's what inspired my first Lost World Jurassic Park toy, which is Ian Malcolm in a parachute suit on a hang glider. It was the first Jurassic Park, or sorry, the Lost World toy that I saw at Toys R Us. Uh-huh. There wasn't even dinosaurs at this time. There was just this fucking hang glider toy <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum on it. And I was like, I got it. I still have that action figure somewhere around here where you've probably seen it where it's the black and blue like suit yeah, that he's wearing. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still got the sunglasses on. How hard of it was a sell to ask your mom to like get an Ian Malcolm action figure back then? She's Here's like, the who's thing. this little man? Uh, my <laughs> mom never took me to Toys R Us. Oh, okay. It would be my dad. My oh, dad okay. is the one that always took me to Toys R Us. That makes sense. So it wasn't even part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Bill. Shout out to Bill. But uh, yeah, I I had a bunch of fucking Jurassic Park toys, man. I was very spoiled on. So it was Kenner. Kenner did the line. Kenner okay. was famous for doing the Star Wars toys. And there's a whole big hubbub about that because mm-hmm. Mega was the one doing all the licensed sci-fi uh, toys back in the 70s. And they somehow famously did not get the Star Wars license. And then they went completely bankrupt a couple of years later. Ooh, that's rough. Who did? Kenner. And Kenner made a fucking fantastic line of toys. That's some good ones. And kept on expanding, right? Uh, the biggest miss, apparently, for Star Wars was that they didn't make toys like in time for the movie coming out and blowing up because most people thought that the movie was going to bomb. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, nobody wants to f- watch your fucking shitty Flash Gordon bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it turned out everybody wanted to watch the shitty Flash Gordon bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like remember, Hidden Fortress in space. There was like a re-release of toys around the time that the movies were put in theaters in the 90s that mm-hmm. I had. And I was like, oh, these are really cool. I know. Kenner. <laughs> yeah. uh, later bought by Hasbro. But mm. Kenner did the Jurassic Park toys. And all they did was remold a lot of the dinosaurs from the original Jurassic mm. Park line. Because they, of course, made dinosaurs that were outside of the film. Yeah. And they made action figures. Uh, you know, people had like, fuck, like Ian Malcolm had a fucking gun. <laughs> it, like it had this weird green projectile thing a mm-hmm. see-through green which was really really cool um they remade that toy by the way i think hasbro did a, a like the re legacy line or whatever yeah but didn't we see that in target yeah i think so where they remade the the ian malcolm but so the funny thing is they reuse all like the mold for what ian malcolm looked like in the original film so he had the wavy hair uh-huh. and you remember in the movie he has like a crew cut basically and then he's wearing sunglasses He's not wearing sunglasses in the movie at all. <laughs> that one really fucks you up. So it's really fun. No, I loved it. I loved him in the sunglasses. Uh, I was like, this is the true interpretation of Ian Malcolm. He always needs to have his sunglasses on. So you had way more toys than I did. Yeah, I had I the uh, Pachyocephalosaurus with the, the button on the thigh that made the head go down, and I would ram it into stuff. It wasn't a part of a yeah. set. It was just its, it's own, like a like, projectile head. Yeah, yeah kind yeah, of yeah. standalone thing. And then I had this uh, pterodon that had like the kind of um, yeah. nylon like mesh wings. Really, one. really cool. You press the button on the back and they flap. I had really a fucked dope. up. So I had like um, the like huge scale Tyrannosaurus Rex, which yeah. had like the like the believable rubber on it, but it had a hollowed out inside where you could put things in its mouth and then pull it out of its belly. Like there was a slit oh. on its belly, and it came with Eddie Carr 
Richard Schiff in a cage. The hero? Yeah, like oh, like and they were like, oh, it's a dinosaur cage, and you you're supposed to put the entire Richard Schiff <laughs> cage set in his mouth because like it's like oh, he's surviving the dinosaur attack, and then pull it out of the belly of the dinosaur. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's I had this insane. Fucking thing. It was great, dude. Toys were complicated. I had the entire. Uh, trailer set, the playset. So mm-hmm. like the trailers from the film, I had that as a playset. Came with Kelly Malcolm. That was the only way to get her. <laughs> Did she come with like um, gymnast poses? She just stood there. <laughs> okay. Very disappointing. Points of articulation and toys weren't as advanced. Yeah, as no, now. there was no yeah. gymnast action. Unfortunately, that's a miss. <laughs> no balance way. beam or like a fucking yeah. handhold bar. <laughs> but like the back of the trailer would like fold out where you can get into the lab. And if you had the and I did have it the the baby T Rex action figure, you could put it on there and then have like uh, Nick Van Owen. I had Nick Van Owen toy and then Julianne Moore, uh, Sarah Harding toy, mm-hmm. like work on the on the baby dinosaur. And then it actually even. Had a fence perimeter that you can put around the uh uh the uh, trailer so i had all that shit i had all the cars i had the hunter car with the the fucking sliding like seat like in the movie where peter starmore is getting like slid out i had that toy i fucking had god i had so many of these toys dude i would go to kb's and toys r us like every fucking week and be like i want this one it's funny like every holiday or birthday that comes around for you i'm like should i get him jurassic park toys yeah all the time especially with like the uh the most recent line that came out that we had seen in target i was like oh this is really cool oh dude i I want the one where it's the original ford explorer with the t-rex that one looks yeah they had that it was like not too expensive but i was like like, 50 bucks i was like i buy this man toys sometimes i don't know if i should buy toys man all right I'm toys. I'll, put, I'll put up my shelves if you if you buy me toys. They've been sitting on there and floating. <laughs> I don't for a while. think me buying you toys is gonna be the impetus for you. Yeah, I need you helping up the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, god damn, what what else did I have out of this set? I'm trying to think. Uh, I had several uh, Ian Malcolms. Mm-hmm. I had no less than seven. How many of them had his shirt kind of like slightly open? None of them. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're trying to go for the memes? The toy line did not do memes, dude. The toy well, line did not lean into the fun. They do now, though. Like, there's now. that Funko Pop where yeah. he's, like, kind of laying down and he's got his yeah, shirt yeah, open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah none, of, none of these. The toys were serious. Yeah. The toys took themselves seriously, <laughs> goddammit. And for some reason, they all had a JP, like, badge as mm-hmm. if they needed, like, a card to get through the island for some mm. reason. It was, like, a silver badge with, like, just J and P and black stencil. <laughs> where it's like one word all the dinosaurs had the jake yeah no like too. kind of like stamped on them yeah yeah, yeah that's how, really it's like funny. a kind of like a stamp of authenticity yeah which i really really liked <laughs> the, it was like the nintendo quality seal yeah. on the jurassic park <laughs> toys but yeah i had the cars were fun i also had the like the micro sets so mm-hmm. you get a little like a little piece of is sorna and then you got the tiny nissan that the that the gatherers drive and you fucking roll it down the hill and there you go did you have any of like the lego sets no, I didn't have the Lego sets. Mm. I didn't have Lego stuff. I didn't have a lot, a lot of Legos as, as a kid. I wanted the articulate action figures. That's fair. But I did have a lot of different Ian Malcolms. Like, I would, I would, put, I would set them up and, like, have, like, stories in my head where they're, like, all brothers or clones or something like that. <laughs> clones would make sense, and they, considering. And, and like, clothing. I was a big fan of the Michael Keaton film Multiplicity, so I would give them each a different Naturally. personality. There was, like, a dumb Malcolm. How old are you? Like, eight? Uh, yeah, I was like seven, eight. Yeah, there was a dumb Malcolm. There was a smart Malcolm. Big fan of multiplicity at seven. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. There's so many Keatons in that film. 
Yeah, I did not grow up watching shit like Disney Channel. I was fucking reading Crichton books and watching <laughs> horror movies and like watching yeah. like weird comedies like that. that no, that's fair. Like that's that that was my upbringing. So when people talk about like I don't know fucking Brink or whatever, I'm like I have no idea. What you're okay, about. listen, don't drag Brink. I'm not gonna drag Brink. I don't know nothing about Brink. Yeah. I've never watched Brink. I, I don't think you would like it now. Some twenty three years removed. Yeah, because Brink is a very time and place nineties movie. You know, you know what the problem is? I felt that most Disney media would talk down to me. Hmm. That was my problem with Disney stuff. I was like, this is condescending. Yeah. Did you imagine like a seven-year-old kid being like, this is condescending? <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I was. That's kid. fair. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of everything was kind yeah. of the thing. Definitely was raised on like Jurassic Park and the toys and stuff like that. And I, I watched some weird John Travolta movies growing up. Like Michael, watch that as a kid. Oh, you watch Michael? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. What about Look Who's Talking? You ever of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look Who's Talking too. Loved it. Too. Fucking great. Who's talking now? What's that other weird John Travolta movie? It had like a long name. Had a long name? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, What was it? I always get it confused with powder, but it's not powder. No, 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 not powder. Hold on. I know what you're talking about. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's many syllables in a name. Oh my God. What's that? Multi syllabic john travolta film um, oh no it was just phenomenon phenomenon that's <laughs> what it was there we yeah. go that's yeah. a hard word i watched a <laughs> yeah and i was fucking like how old i was eight at the time yeah that was a great movie yeah yeah dude fucking great phenomenon on his birthday mechanic george malley john travolta <laughs> sees a flash of light and proceeds to exhibit extraordinary mental abilities he becomes a genius even showing an ability to move objects with his mind i love it george wishes to help people but the government wants to take him in for observation always the government wow, crazy shit, man crazy fucking great, fucking great. That, that's our next backtrack for <laughs> phenomenon yeah we'll watch that yeah, but Jurassic Park, man. The Lost World. I love it. Big part of my childhood. What are some closing thoughts we can give to the people here? Because, you know, again, not a very highly revered movie no. uh, in the general populaces. I ran a poll uh, before like we sat down to record because I was curious like what people thought and if they even thought it was a good movie. And like the majority of people, 90%, said, yeah, it's a good movie. So at least I roll with the right people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Yeah. yeah you know, I, I walked in this thinking like, man, am I going to be able to to defend this movie as much as like my love for it was? And it's like, no, I, I could be fair yeah. about this movie. I could see why it doesn't hit. Mm-hmm. I could see what doesn't work. And even rewatching it today, I was like, oh, there's certain elements that need to be like reconfigured, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I do appreciate exactly what it is which is a darker tone sequel that gave you more dinosaurs Mm -hmm. gave you more interesting set pieces and had that fucking spielberg veneer even if he was feeling a little little down on the cloud right Mm -hmm. he it still feels like man spielberg knows how to fucking command a camera right so i i appreciate that and i feel like we lose that in all of the sequels going forward like Mm -hmm. joe johnson's jurassic park 3 just um oh that was joe johnson that's joe johnson did not realize that yeah yeah yeah. we all we all love october sky (laughs) (laughs) but um it's a different flavor right it's not the same apparently he was supposed to direct this movie the lost world before spielberg decided like all right i'll give it one more go i mean how badly can i fuck it up (laughs) i mean i'm i'm glad that we got spielberg back for it flaws and all because like you know there are so many iconic signature moments that like Make it feel like an appropriate sequel and make it feel bigger than the first. And not as competent hands, it would have felt like a lesser movie. Also, the arcade game kicked ass, dude. 
All the Jurassic Park fucking arcade games. But this one, like, really (laughs) expanded uh, Site B. It was amazing. Dude, I love the the fucking um, mixed media around this. Like, the games around it. Mm -hmm. I had the board game. Could you imagine I had a fucking board game of Jurassic uh, or the Lost World? Oh my goodness! Do you do you feel like in outside of the arcade space that we got a lot of good like Jurassic Park video games? No, yeah, I don't think we did. No, but we did get some um, historical ones, including Warpath Jurassic Park, the Jurassic Park fighting game. Mm-hmm. We also got Trespasser Jurassic Park, starring Anne Heche on site B. What? A year <laughs> later, after the events of 1997's The Lost World. She got stuck on there after a plane crash, and she uh, it's a it's a, it's a video game that's memorable for introducing a lot of um, physics that weren't as um, <laughs> common okay. in games at the time. But people mod that game to this very day to make it playable and um, well, you know, viewable because <laughs> it's a 1998 fucking sequel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had the Genesis game back in the day. The Genesis game wasn't that great. Yeah, it was all right. It was a weird it was one. All right. It was a weird one. It wasn't like the side scroller banger from uh, Sega Genesis for the first one, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a weird isometric game where dinosaurs would pop off like off screen and then attack you, and you're like, "What the fuck's going on here?" Although the Lost World Jurassic Park genesis game did have a cool cover i had a great cover yeah. i like that green there there was some like really good like marketing like posters like valentine's VHS covers. day cards valentine's day cards you have the holographic like v- yeah. vhs cover that's really great what what was the tagline for this movie something something has, has survived something has survived like just seeing that yeah. on things was really cool or like the the logo itself being like cracked yeah you know because it's oh, like man. everything about it's like this is darker this is yeah. unsafe like i loved it i love the feel yeah of this I think there, there's a lot of elements of this movie that are just really strong to me and I think make for an adequate sequel, make for a darker sequel, um, you know. The kind of meteor-esque pickup of, like, the family being on the island, seeing a little girl get, like, torn mm-hmm. apart, you know. We didn't see it. I need yeah, to see yeah. it. That and, like, man, two T-Rexes. That was the the thing two that T-Rexes. always stood really bold in my mind that we got two T-Rexes. What's better than one? Two T-Rexes. Yeah. It's true. We What's got better three, than two? Three. <laughs> we technically got three. Well, we got a baby. Yeah, so two and a half. You get all sorts of flavors of T-Rex yeah. in this one, let me tell you what. God damn it. I love it. It's it's not a perfect movie, but it's oh. it's near and dear to my heart. And it's it's weird to say that, like, you know, five movies into Jurassic Park that like it's kind of 50-50, like in terms of like good oh, movies and yeah. bad movies. Like this this franchise deserves better. It really does. <laughs> yeah. The first film deserves a better legacy than like middling sequels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of those sequels made more money than the original. That's true. Including World somehow. I, well, both World movies. Including Fallen Kingdom somehow. <sighs> I the think movie that... is a piece of shit. What the fuck? How, <laughs> is, how does Fallen Kingdom get any respect? It's got some good moments. It's got like the iconic scene of the, the brontosaurus and the, the fucking forest burning down around it and then it falling. Yeah, really I, I know, man. And it, it spawned... <laughs> I mean, that movie spawned Battle at Big Rock, which is a really cool eight minutes short yeah but it was cool oh all right i don't know well but i but, but i will say yes jurassic park does deserve better in terms of extended media video games yeah the toys got it right so, toys got it right so thank you kenner you, toys? you did a, a good one video for games uh, yeah. i don't know although i would love a game like now yeah. to go to like isla sorna 
yeah, they're doing weird things with the game where it's like Jurassic Park Evolution. Make your own park. And it's like, no. Make a fucking park. No, Hammond. Didn't we learn that making your own park is a bad idea? It's wrong. It's stupid. You're playing God. I want to be John Hammond. I want to be Miracle on 31st Street. I want to fucking... I don't want to be Miracle on... I want to either kill or run from these dinosaurs. Um, I'll do a thing here. Um... I'm watching the newest, like, David Attenborough dinosaur show oh, yeah. on Apple TV. It's pretty good. Uh, I gotta look up the name of it real quick. Um, I think it's called Fuck Dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, fuck! They're back! <laughs> it's called Prehistoric Planet. Um, there's, okay. like, six episodes. It's really cool. Like, really crazy, like, CG dinosaurs and scenarios. And it's shot like a normal, like, uh, Planet Earth or like blue nice. planet documentary where it's like and here we have the pterodon in its natural habitat nice. it's really cool. love it. but I, I love that like the attenboroughs are just like yeah we love dinosaurs <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> richard rest in peace my friend yeah rip yeah yeah rip rich when did he die i don't know like 2008 or something oh uh, okay i don't know people die people die sometimes people that michael Crichton died in 08 actually got a good book called uh aeroframe they didn't make a movie about it. It was about <laughs> it was about like they needed to figure out why a plane crashed, and uh, basically like whoever manufactured it was hiding how faulty the parts were. Okay, but it was like kind of like you know an investigation story about it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> you know, we have a lot more interesting movies on airplanes than that. But, you know, I'm glad you liked it. Glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no red eye. No. You know? No snakes on a plane. No snakes on a plane. Well... I don't know when we're going to do the next installment of this. Okay. Um, again, we we had the thought Phenomenon? of... Phenomenon? <laughs> no, we'll do a double feature. We'll do Phenomenon and Michael. Gotcha. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Back to back. Travolta trouble. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Make it double. <laughs> yeah. I, like, obviously, we have to kind of see yeah. it in, like, news episodes and plays and reviews as we We can do whatever we, we want. Out, Nobody so. pays us. Nobody pays us. So pays I think us. we could probably do this, like, maybe every, like two to three weeks or maybe on a monthly cadence at least like get one out every month squeeze one out squeeze a new one out but the next one for june is going to be 2005's constantine we're doing constantine yeah all right with keanu reeves all right so confused with constantine yeah or constantinople okay not to be confused with that or not to be confused with the comics by uh which are called constantine (laughs) you know so this is the movie uh i haven't seen this one in a really long time so i'm excited to go back to see if it aged well. I think I've seen that movie like 15 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I talk, I'm like, I can watch that yeah. movie. It's a visual treat. It's like one of the coolest underrated yeah. comic book movies. And connection to our first episode, Peter Starmore is in that movie as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He played Dieter in this one, got fucking torn apart by copies. And he's Satan in Constantine. Teen, mm. teen, 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 teen. A lot of big actors yeah. in that movie. No. Yeah, isn't um fucking oh, Shia LaBeouf? Oh yeah, I mean Shia LaBeouf is in that. Hold on. Who are a you second. thinking of? A big actor? Isn't Kate Blanchett in that? No, it's who, not. Kate who Blanchett. am I thinking of? You're thinking of Tilda Swinton? Oh, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a big actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so she's big. Hold on. <clears throat> and it's Rachel Weisz. Yeah. So big actors. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't know that I consider Rachel Weisz big. Gavin actor. Rossdale's in it. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. From, from we got fucking, a big uh, actor. From Bush, yeah. Is it Bush? Okay, I was going to yeah. be like, oh, he's from Hole. Come on, man, Glycerine. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, okay, anyway. maybe there's only like seven like big names in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard I mean, of uh, Keanu Reeves. You ever hear of that guy? I heard of that one. Yeah, he's not in any Jurassic Park as far as I know. Big Miss. Is it? Big Miss, Do you think bro. he would be good in a fucking uh, Jurassic Park movie? Yeah, if he played Pratt's character. <laughs> I, th- I think Rachel Weisz would be great in a Jurassic Park. Uh, 
you could put her in for Bryce Dallas Howard, you know? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> she's older now, though. We so, saw her in uh, Black Widow. She's yeah. A, she's a... But she was still great. Still brought her role. You yeah. know how old Laura Dern was in Jurassic Park? I don't know. She seemed like she was in her 30s. She was 23. She's 23? She was 23, wow. and she... Uh, I think she told Inter- Entertainment Weekly, she was like, yeah, it was kind of fucked up that, you know, I was uh, positioned next to Sam Neill as being like the love interest for him when mm-hmm. he was like 20 years my senior. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we got Rachel Weiss, and in order to balance the books, we need to get someone super young. Okay. Like a young dude. Like Tom a- Holland. Tom Holland? Yeah, yeah Tom Holland's just dating <laughs> Rachel Weisz in, in the new Jurassic Park. I can see it. Fuck yeah, dude. It'd be fun. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun if we do that. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Is, yeah. is there like a definitive cut of the movie, or is it just like we're watching the theatrical cut? Just watching that theatrical, man. Okay. okay. And then, yeah, so the way we'll do it is we'll let you guys know at the end of each episode like what the next thing is going to mm. be. So you watch it, listen to it, do whatever, read it if it's a comic or something, and then yeah. you come. You come prepared reading no no you don't want to make people read no what if we did a comic what comic i don't know there's probably some batman comics we could batman? do. batman yeah all right the widening guyer the what the whitening guyer the widening guyer oh, i don't know that one okay tower of babel okay sure white knight uh, white knight's cool white knight's cool white i don't know about the second one though uh it's okay yeah okay yeah now they're doing beyond the white knight by the way Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because of Batman Beyond. Oh man, yeah, that'd be Fuck. Yeah. What if we did all of Batman Beyond? All of Batman Beyond, or like season one? You want to do an entire TV series? Is that what you're trying to? <laughs> I mean, we so we we've set it's ourselves up for the about. idea of doing it before with like Evangelion and a few other yeah. things. Uh, I think we said we would do Haunting of Bly Manor. I think we said that we would do. We didn't. Yeah, <laughs> we should have done one for Midnight Mass. That would have been great. That's great. a great fucking series right there. We'll do it for the next one, whatever right. it's called. All right, but we don't let we don't crowdsource this because we'll get bad. Well, people will be like, "Oh, you should watch fucking One Note or whatever or One Piece," and I'll be like, "I watch One I Piece." Don't want, no, I don't want to watch One Piece. No, I. So if I were to leave it to the the save yeah. roommates, I would I would leave it to One a- Note. Is that the the ask? <laughs> yeah, no, Microsoft One Note. No, I would, I would I would say pick a movie or pick a game. Yeah. To, uh, for us to talk about. They're going to be like Nausicaa and the Will of the Wisps. Nausicaa's good. Is it? Yeah. Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Uh, if we had to do any Miyazaki. <laughs> Is it like... not the Will of the Wisps? No. You're thinking oh. of Ori and the Will oh, of the Wisps. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I would say like if we were to do Miyazaki, like Princess Mononoke would be a good one. Okay. Uh, Spirited Away is good. Let's and... read all of House of Leaves. Oh my God. I have a copy downstairs. Yeah, I have a copy. <laughs> I have to wait. <laughs> you want to read Stream of Conscious Horror? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's go. This movie was Stream of Conscious. <laughs> seemed a bit like it seemed a bit like it yeah spielberg uh, he didn't give anyone uh rehearsals he was like he basically filmed their first attempt at the words because he always loved how like when the words are new to the actors he loved filming <laughs> that it's really funny and, like it shows like a motherfucker in this movie <laughs> it's really funny to me <laughs> yeah like when uh when ian malcolm hears the word chocolate it's like he, the first time he's ever heard it on screen he's like wow yeah that's good cool all right guys well we're gonna wrap this up we didn't do the plug at the start but we'll do it here at the yeah, back end sure. um if you didn't know we're mainly a video game podcast sometimes we do reviews <laughs> movies whatever the fuck we feel like uh you can find us 
over at soundcloud.com slash the save room show on spotify itunes stitcher google play wherever the fuck you want to find us um you can find us on twitch as well uh kevin's been streaming a lot lately he did all of resident evil 5 uh over at twitch.tv slash the red herb with our yeah. with our buddy make monsters um we've been doing some evil dead the game over there which is pretty fun Pretty fun. fun with that. Pretty great. Um, and then once in a fucking Haley's Comet, you can find me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Yeah. Once in a Haley's Comet? Yeah, I'm just vibing offline playing games, you know? He's just vibing elsewhere, man. He yeah. doesn't need you. Yeah. Doesn't need you. I played almost 45 hours of Death Stranding offline. That's crazy. I'm going to beat it this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very close. Get it done. I'm in chapter 10. Get it done. I, I'm further now than I was when I played the game in 2000. Wait, what was it, 2019? Yeah. I make a good backtrack as well, but I'd have to beat it again. It would. Something to consider. Something to consider. Uh, that is a video game that people sure were in, and there is a lot of it that's puzzling. A lot of it is like actors. crazy cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it's meditative. I don't. Sounds like Hideo, man. It's, it's so far to date the only Hideo Kojima game that I really like. Yeah. So. You'll like MGS5 if you like this game. Yeah, I need something that isn't an open world game it's after almost this. Guaranteed. Yeah, I think the next game I'm going to play will probably be a shooter. Probably, a shooter? Yeah, probably Titanfall 2. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Twitter, at Save Room Show. Let's do a backtrack in Titanfall 2. That'll get a lot of hits. Uh. <laughs> People love Titanfall 2. It's called Phenomenon. It is. You don't believe me? I mean, it didn't sell well but that's because it was positioned against its own company in games in a weird way like it came out the same time as what battlefield what battlefield did it come out against one one oh geez and then i don't know what call of duty came out against infinite warfare probably yeah it was like 2016 2017 that that came out damn ea get your shit together games don't matter (laughs) steven spielberg thank you for this film thank you for this film steven we Keeps on you. giving every every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. I'm done being in the company of death. <laughs> That's really good. That's a good one right there. <laughs> wow. Podcasts really do find a way. <laughs> oh.